does have it all. All of our pre-owned vehicles are Hubler Q certified, which include a 128-point vehicle inspection, a free Carfax vehicle history report, and two warranties. A two-year, 100,000-mile powertrain warranty and a 30-day, 1,000-mile comprehensive warranty. Visit any of our 13 locations today or click drivehubler.com. It's the Wake Up Call with KB and Andy on 93.5 and 107.5. The Fan. Deep drop again for Browning, setting up the screen. It's caught 45, 50, 45, 40. Down the near sideline, go the Bengals. They're at the 15. They're at the 10, 5, touchdown. A 38-yard field goal coming up from Matt Gay, trying to get the uh, Colts on the board. Ball's on the near hash. There's a snap. Placement's down. Kick is on its way, and it is off the right, upright, and it is no good. Deep drop play action. Floats it right, caught again on a screen. They're at the 50-yard line, cutting off blocks. 40, 35, Mixon. 30. It's Mixon again. Mixon powers his way inside the 20 and then bulldozes down to the 16-yard line. That is two killer running back screens today that have just absolutely torched the Colts. Play action. Minshew throws into the end zone. Back right corner going up and making a bid on the ball for the Colts. Cox. It's Mo Alley Cox and it is a touchdown! The Bengals go quickly. It's Browning. Hurls it over the middle. It's picked off by the Colts. Ronnie Harrison running the other way. Down the far sideline. 10, 5, touchdown! It's the defense that gets involved in the party. Browning under center. Mixon is about three yards behind him. Quarterback sneak, and Mixon pushes Browning up the field across the goal line on a quarterback sneak, and Cincinnati has scored two touchdowns on their first two drives of the second half. Second down and goal at the 25-yard line for Indianapolis. Minshew out of the gun, four receivers into the pattern. Backs to throw in the pocket, and he has hit from the side. The ball goes fluttering up in the air, and I think this might be either a fumble recovery or an interception, but it is Bengals football on the recovery is B.J. Hill. A lot of self-inflicted stuff happened out there. You know, it was just one of those days it was not our day. It's just one of those days where you don't want to wake up. Everything is, everybody sucks. You don't really know why, but you want to. Oh, way to start the week, hanging out with you live from the drivehuber.com studios. It's the Wake Up Call with KB and Andy. He's Kevin Bowen. I'm Andy Sweeney. Mark Dighton producing today's effort. Not a great weekend unless you're the Indiana Fever. We see KB this morning. You must have not parked underground in Cincinnati. You know what? I, I did park underground. Oh boy, you um, didn't listen to me at all. You uh, got out though, okay? I was sweating immediately as soon as you said that. <laughs> uh, about a 15-minute wait in the post-game oh, scrum of the garage of that uh, whatever it is, CFG or CWG. I'm trying to think of which parking garage it was. But uh, yeah, that was the worst loss of the season. I, I don't think there's any argument. Uh, very fitting song choice there from Mark Dykton on this Monday morning. And, you know, every phase, Andy, no one is absolved from this one. Uh, if I told you to pick the best individual Colts player yesterday and I said you couldn't pick Michael Pittman, we could, well, you took my answer. Who am I going to take? I, I think we could spend three hours <laughs> trying to think of just one. Uh, yeah, terrible. And, and, you know, the magnitude of it is we're approaching mid-December. And, yes, a lot of help occurred around you yesterday. But that loss now means this, Andy. Game of the season Saturday afternoon inside of Lucas Oil Stadium. And now, at 7-6, and six, with a conference loss, with losing a head-to-head tiebreaker, your margin for error is virtually gone. If you have one more loss, now you're on your knees praying for help the rest of the season. Yes, you're still in control, technically, if you went out, but obviously the product we saw yesterday 
uh, is, is nowhere near a team capable of doing that. I, I mean, you mentioned all systems failure, and to me, it was the first game all season to where they just didn't have it, and they just didn't have it the whole game. I mean, our guy, he's our guy, right? Ronnie Harrison Jr., you know, it was about 45 seconds, seemingly, of good football for the Colts, but it was right at the very beginning. It was bad special teams. I mean, they were bad on special teams teams yesterday uh, so bad that I mean it's unwinnable when you're missing extra points and I know they made up for it with a two-point conversion uh, McKenzie and being backed into and that debacle and then defensively you know I, I know that some of the wide receiver numbers Jamar Chase he didn't go nuts he didn't have the kind of game he had against Jacksonville KB but um, whether it be the screen passes but for me the lack of pass rush I mean this is a team yeah. that has feasted on mediocre offensive lines that has feasted on mediocre quarterbacks going into the game Sunday in Cincinnati. What, 17 sacks in the last three games? This team was second I believe in the NFL and they didn't get there and they didn't get there at all. I think it was like three hurries the entire game. They didn't get a sack and then offensively they didn't do much. They can't run the football. That's how two games in a row without Jonathan Taylor. They haven't been able to run the football and when they did run the football they got a penalty. They got a holding call. Um, the penalties, the bad special teams, um, the bad defense, not being able to run the football, not being able to get and make Jake Browning feel game pressure whatsoever. It was the first dud of the season, and it happened at absolutely the worst time for this football team. Jake Browning, the highest passer rating of any quarterback in the league in Week 14. And you bring up the screen game, Andy. It's something we actually talked about last week. Cincinnati gashed Jacksonville on Monday Night Football with some of those screens. And, you know, when you're facing a backup quarterback like that, to me, what you need to do is put him into uncomfortable situations. That can be with your coverages, that can be with a pass rush, that can be with pressure, et cetera, et cetera. When you allow him to throw a high percentage screen, I mean, obviously, screens, you assume you complete them at a very high rate, and then those plays take off and they get you 40 and 50 yards, like you're throwing it down the field to Jamar Chase or T. Higgins, that's inexcusable. The Colts obviously got gashed on that several times. And again, go down the list. Offensively, owned in the trenches. Like you said, Zach Moss, zero run game whatsoever. I thought one of the worst games of Bernard Ryman's career. A guy that has been very steady for you. Uh, He was awful. And then flip it over to the defense. Uh, every level uh, of that unit had some issues. Ronnie Harrison Jr. had a nice pick six. He also got torched early on in that game. Uh, no pass rush whatsoever. And then a disastrous day uh, for your special teams unit and for your best player all season. And, you know, when you get into December outdoor football, I do, you know, think, okay, the kicking game could be impacted a bit. It was one of the calmer wind days you'll find for a 30-degree day outdoors. Matt Gay's field goal, the, uh, the the flags on the very top were barely moving. And if they were, <laughs> and not to get too like wind nerdy here, but obviously that stadium butts right up to the river. If they were moving, it was just downwind or against the wind. It's not like it was a crosswind because you saw the first one. Right. Kind of had the big hook on it. You weren't in Buffalo then, or Cleveland or the metal, the old Meadowlands with the wind whipping around the stadium. No. It was pretty still for a December football game. 
can't miss two kicks inside of 40 yards. And then you brought up Amir Speed just running into Isaiah McKenzie there late. So, a disastrous, uh, yes, their worst performance of the season. Really, out. you could maybe make a case for the at-Jacksonville game back in mid-October, but I think this one was worse because, again, Cincinnati, it's more of your competition mm-hmm. level. I think, you know, a, a fully healthy Jacksonville team on the road, I still think they are a tier above you. Cincinnati, th- theoretically, should be on your level there. Um, so it is a jumbled playoff mess now as the Colts exit Week 14. And boy, unless you're a fan of Purdue or the Fever, uh, it was a rough weekend <laughs> for you from a sports standpoint. Yeah, I mean, Indiana basketball, how soft do they look? They've lost by 20 to UConn and then 28 over the weekend. We're never, I mean, after the first, what, seven minutes of that game, they are blown out for the last 33 minutes of that game against Auburn. Does Mike Woodson ugly. understand Ooh. the staggering of bench versus starter lineups. No, he's got to he's got to move them in and out like he's a like, hockey coach. Well, the, well, this isn't the NBA. <laughs> Obviously in the NBA that's that's it's kind of a thing, NBA. right? You know, here's yeah. your second unit that goes into the game. Uh no, you need to stagger Malik Renew and Cleo Ware. Now would that have made a 28 point difference or whatever the final score was? Probably not, but that has been a Woodson issue really I think in all three of his seasons. Uh just terrible from Indiana after that start. Uh, against Auburn, uh, like we said, Purdue north of the border. Sectional eight, Braden Smith. Whenever Braden Smith goes off, you got to throw that label on him. Uh, he was outstanding. Obviously, Zach Eady's stat line speaks for itself. Kind of a quiet week now, college basketball wise, for those uh, really programs all around the nation with finals. Well, it's week. finals week. You got to lock in, and then you've got Kansas and Arizona, <laughs> respectively, for Indiana and Purdue coming up this weekend, and then uh, Pacers Saturday night. <laughs> Are we disappointed? Should we be disappointed? Or was it totally playing with house money I kind of label Saturday? it like this. And I know the NBA is not necessarily the perfect analogy to the college basketball NCAA tournament world, so feel free to rip me. Does that feel like a 4-5 or five seed making the national championship game and then they lose? Yeah, yeah. I, I can see nice that. Yeah, making the Final Four, making a nice run, and eventually it comes to an end and the other team just has too much. You know, beat a one seed, yeah, beat sure. a two seed. If you want to throw Milwaukee, you want to throw Boston into that mix. A lot of great moments throughout that run, but the final, it, I know Turner hits that three to cut it to 2-3 with like six to go. I just never felt like Indiana ever had solid ground. Well, that's that how game. I felt with the Colts. Like the Colts going back to the Jags game, sorry to just flip back here, but going back to that Jags game, you felt like, okay, they're going to play away here from making this something. I never felt that, and unfortunately I didn't really feel that too much with the Pacers in the second half. Can I give you a stat real quick? Jake Browning. 79.3 completion percentage is the highest completion percentage by a quarterback in his first three starts since 1950. He joins Chad Pennington as the only quarterback since 1950 with 70-plus completion percentage and a 95-plus passer rating in each of his three starts. Jake Browning and Chad Pennington, company you want to be a part of. There you go. And one thing I thought was a difference for Browning from Monday, Andy, is yes, there were some screens that were big plays for Cincinnati, but... Jacksonville, for the most part, did make him throw it down the field to really hit on those big plays, especially after the first quarter. If you look at you know, the intended air yards, basically how much Browning threw it downfield, he didn't really no, do a whole didn't. lot of that. The one ball to Higgins, of course, Daryl Baker Jr. gets burn on. But for the most part, it was a rather methodical, consistent day. And I would say maybe if you want to boil it down to one item, Andy, that's the most disappointing from yesterday... And I think this has kind of been Cincinnati's M.O., especially this season. They are 
a team that's a little bit finesse. They don't have great trench play. They're not necessarily this team that's going to control the line of scrimmage. They've got great talent on the outside, but they don't have a dominant offensive or defensive lines. And I just thought they they flat out owned you. Whether it was you protecting your own quarterback, you trying to establish Zach Moss in the run game, or the flip side of it, Joe Mixon and Chase Brown running against you, or their ability to protect Jake Browning, like you said, no sacks, three quarterback hits. You know That's supposed to be your calling card. Chris Ballard has been very clear. We're going to be a trench-focused team. And again, the month of December rolls around, and this is when you rely on that unit. I, you know, I, I know you're missing Brain Smith, but for the most part, you're very healthy. Grover Stewart's back in the lineup, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, very disappointed uh, in that specific element to the game. Two, three, nine, ten, seventy on the wake up call. Obviously, what bothers you the most? A lot that can uh, bother you stemming from that Sunday performance. Really, to me, the first dud with a capital D of the season for the Bengals. Uh, listen, I would say this here. Uh, to me, KB, and I know they couldn't establish the run or the pass rush, but just the very beginning of the game, special teams was, I know I'm harping on it, special teams was so bad, and I almost feel like, you know, we take things for granted in football sometimes. And with the Beng- or going into this Bengals game, we have taken for granted, I believe, I did, that the pass rush would be able to make Browning feel uncomfortable. And we never sat here and broke down special teams. I mean, we didn't. You know, we're not going to sit here and say, well, is Matt Gay going to be able to make a 47-yard field goal or that conversation? We're trying and, to keep listening. Yeah, and two of the things that we took for granted, the Bengals basically crapped the bed. I mean, it's 7 nothing, and you're going to get a stop, and then you get the leverage play, and you know when you get the leverage play, what's going to happen? It's going to turn into what? A touchdown. Like yeah. You just knew it was going to turn into the touchdown. The way you knew when Zach Moss danced into the end zone and there was a holding call that, some, that that was going to end in disaster in some sort of way, and it did. But that leverage play by Brian, and then on top of it, the missed field goal, this team's not good enough. No, they're in not every, enough. Yeah, no. in every game to overcome 10 points being altered in the very beginning of the game. We're talking about the first quarter of the game. They came out and were, and were bits Bad, so bad early on. Yeah, I, I kind of labeled it pretender mistakes. You know, when you think about a team that's a contender or a pretender, to me, you had a lot of errors yesterday that would label you in that latter category. The leverage, and like Andy, a leverage penalty on a what, what, what was that? Was that thirty-eight yard attempt? I mean, you'll see that five times all season, you right? Blocking that, it, it'd be one thing if you get a leverage penalty on a fifty-four yarder that whatever you think you're going to block, right? I, I, I could. Somewhat, maybe in the back of my mind, say, "All right, whatever." Or a guy but, that's done it before, a guy that knows yeah, he can block Garrett, kicks. You know, whoever. Sure. But in that instance, when Evan McPherson's one of the best kickers in the league, and you know he's just going to make that, that, yeah, that, that to me, uh, just awful. And then just reacting to the second half. I mean, you get the break of a lifetime, really, when Trey Hendrickson commits yeah. that roughing the passer penalty. He keeps that drive going for you. You cash in on that drive. You get the Ronnie Harrison pick six. You know. It's 14 nothing, and if you just reacted to the fans in the building yesterday, Colts fans are clapping and cheering their team off the field. Bengals fans are semi-booing sure. their we, team. Yeah, we've won the half, and look at us. Heading into the locker yeah. room, and they come out, and they outscore you 20 to nothing. 
after a lot of Colts time. fans there. By the way, I know, I know, I know you were there. Obviously, in the press box, a lot of Colts fans. Yeah. Uh, Skyline Chili halftime. Something Skyline we want to dive Chili into. Halftime. Uh, I value my time not on the toilet, so I decided to go. <laughs> you uh, went no with Skyline. Chili. You went with a side salad instead. Uh, little I, ranch dressing. I think I had two chocolate chip cookies at halftime. <laughs> there, they there were you absolutely go. delicious. Man. By the way, uh, I cannot stress this enough. We'll talk about it all week long. Saturday's the game of the season. Four thirty inside of Lucas Oil Stadium. Colts and Steelers both at seven and six. Tonight, nothing says like, hey, Pacers, congrats. Uh, you're going to play in Detroit <laughs> on Monday night. This is the worst team in the NBA. Jay Nivey, I know he had a big night against the Pacers a few weeks back, but he has really struggled this season for Detroit. Indiana is a seven-point favorite as now they get restarted, if you will, with their normal schedule. They will be on the road all week long here, and we'll preview that. Rick Carlisle, again, scheduled to join us coming up tomorrow and as usual. 8 o'clock time slot, so we'll touch on that as the Pacers. Uh, back to reality, I guess, if uh, if you could say that, and, and going from Vegas to Detroit. I'm Kevin Bowen. He is Andy Sweeney. Mark Dykton with us, as always. Good Monday morning to you. Thanks for spending it with us. It is the Wake Up Call with KB and Andy right here on 93.5107.5 The Fan. The Morning Checkdown. Omaha! On 93.5 and 107.5 The Fan. All right, your morning check down. Hanging out with you on the wake-up call. Obviously, we'll talk about it here for the next several days. 34-14, your final there in Cincinnati. Bengals over the Colts. Both teams now 7-6. and six. I will say, if uh, the playoffs were to start today, the Colts would still be in as a 7-seed. Pittsburgh 7-6 and six as well. That one coming up on Saturday. Uh, in KB, it's going to be a wild Saturday, December 16th around here. Uh, we'll dive into that as we go. As we've also mentioned, just a bad bad game on Sunday for the Colts postgame Shane Steichen a lot of self-inflicted stuff happened out there you know it was just one of those days it was not our day I know Shane's talking a lot about um, the offensive side of the ball but again I thought every unit uh, equally is you know culprit if you will a worst performance of the season uh, by the Colts they really haven't had many of these Andy where all of a sudden you look at it you think wow over the course of 60 minutes I think they played good for two Maybe the end of that 17-play drive and then flip it over to the pick six from Ronnie Harrison Jr. I thought that was about it for the Colts. So, as you said, it is going to be a short week this week. They'll bump everything up one day. Saturday, 4.30, it is a banged-up Pittsburgh team. Their two best pass rushers, including T.J. Watt, in concussion protocol. And then, obviously, it doesn't look like Kenny Pickett. We'll give it a go. We'll continue to monitor that, though, throughout the week. All right, Saturday night in Vegas. The Pacers run in the in-season tournament. Comes to a close. Way too much Anthony Davis. Way too much Austin Reeves. LeBron was rather human, to be honest with you. A couple things I think stand out uh, for for me. Just boiling down to the game itself. I thought your veterans in that starting lineup, total no-show. For how good Miles Turner was against Milwaukee, Bruce he Brown. was as bad yep. on Saturday night. Bruce Brown in that group and Buddy Heald. Uh, in general, the Pacers just didn't shoot it well in that Vegas arena at all there. Um, but big picture, Andy, I still come back to this was a great run, tremendous experience, and honestly, the sour taste for a game that doesn't count to your overall standings, I don't think is the end of the world. How do you bottle that up? Because a seven-game series will feel different come April and May. Uh, but still, it, it was a great, great run. Uh, and I think Saturday night is disappointing because... 
it's not like the Lakers were some juggernaut that hit you know twenty threes against you. They just own the paint, they own the glass, uh, and the Pacers I think had a lot of just of their own issues that contributed to uh, the uh, final margin. A dream situation for the NBA as LeBron James put his stamp of approval on this in-season tournament. I'm mean, the dude's popping champagne. The guy's <laughs> the guy's wearing a championship hat. He showed up in this game. You know, the Lakers showed up. Their mind was in this game. Uh, if you're a Pacer fan, though, I mean, to me, this is for a segment I wanted to do, you know, maybe we can do later on. To me, KB... It was it was it was house money for the most part with the Pacers and what they wanted to try to show the NBA. I think they showed the NBA. They utilized this for the most part until the end. They utilized this to their advantage, did they not? To show, hey, we're a good young team. The Pacers had Woj talking about them. Hey, are they going to go out and get a wing? Uh, I think it showed some of the issues that they had, especially rebounding the basketball. But uh, for me, not too many hot takes. I mean. They didn't play well. You're frustrated on how Saturday night ended, but you wanted to be a team, a young team that kind of came out, a coming out party, if you will, in the NBA. And I think the Pacers, for the most part, did that, did they not? Yeah, and what does that taste now do for them? You know, how, again, how can you bottle that up and move forward? 12 and 8 on the year. Uh, technically, it's still a three game win streak. Uh, they will have Detroit tonight. That is a seven o'clock tip. The Pistons are absolutely awful. Andy, they started the year two and one. They've lost 19 straight. Yeah, so they haven't won since before Halloween, right? They it's like October 19th or something like that. In November or <laughs> December, they lost by 22 <laughs> on Friday night. At Detroit, at Milwaukee, at Washington, at Minnesota. It is a busy week on the road for the Pacers. Biggest eye roll after the in-season tournament. What does is, what is winning the in-season tournament mean for LeBron's legacy? I'm like, <laughs> nothing? Yeah, Probably well, nothing. MJ never won. <laughs> Can't wait to catch that on first take this yeah. morning. Uh, week 14, what stood out to you guys around the NFL? Oh, come on. It was the it was the game of the year. The, uh, the Minnesota Vikings oh, and the God. Las Vegas Raiders were 3-0. You kidding me? It was 3-0. We didn't get our game-winning field goal till a minute 47 left in the game. You we know I love the the bowl games. The over-under for that one was 40 and a half. They had, what, 16, 17 punts in that game. Poor Aiden O'Connell. We got a 3 nothing game. How delightful is that? You know who it's poor to? Devontae Adams. <laughs> Imagine <laughs> being a Viking. Crosby could be the defensive player of the year. Sure he I could. Mean, being a Vikings fan and going to Vegas for this trip's going to roll. And then you watch <laughs> that Jefferson game. Jefferson exits after, what, you know, two catches in that one. Uh, how about the Cowboys oh, over man. the Eagles last oh, night? I hate it. For those curious, Shaquille Leonard, 14 defensive snaps. Snaps. That is 14 of 82. Uh, two tackles for him. Came in in the second quarter, by the way. I think I tweeted out the third the third defensive yeah, time out there start. for the Eagles. Yeah. He came in there. I mean, no, for me, you picked the Cowboys to go to the Super Bowl. I, I don't know. I guess Broncos, Chargers, I guess that was a bad one. How about the, the Browns? Colts? Yeah, and the Browns, unbelievable. Joe Flacco's Again, fantastic, I, I dude. I think Kevin Stefanski is a top the coach of the year chart. That is four wins with four different quarterbacks. That have started games for them this season. Mark's Bears get mm-hmm. a big win over the line. Are the Bears lurking? They're lurking. They're they're a win away from being <laughs> in the hunt. I think. God. The question of the morning: Are the Bears lurking? I, I'm like yes at five or no. and eight. I mean that last NFC playoff team is going to be a 500 football. Let me team. ask you this: uh, I have it for later on in the show. Do you want to hear from Pat Mahomes at some no, point? Because I don't. the whining from I the Kansas so City Chiefs last no. night. There we go. That 
To me, what that was at the end, Andy, was that was the it was Chiefs, a penalty. It, well, yes. yes, but that was the Chiefs and Mahomes frustration boiling of over. Of course, yeah. This is a team that has struggled offensively all year long, especially for their standard, and that was exactly what that was. It was a blatant offsides penalty. I thought Terry McCauley explained it very well in Sunday Night Football. That's been a point of emphasis this year. Um, I think McCauley said it's been flagged eleven times, and the pool reporter after that game mentioned that uh, the side judge there said he couldn't even see the football. Kadarius Tony was so far offsides in that moment. So uh, to me, that was strictly just the Chiefs are eight and five. They aren't the Chiefs, Wah. and that Wah. was Mahomes boiling over. Yeah. I feel the like Chiefs he could, never he, get a call. He, he would like to be calling out Kadarius Tony for that, but instead he has to put his venom towards the referees. A reminder: We've got the Monday night doubleheader tonight. Uh, boy, uh, uh, yeah, <laughs> uh, Titans at Dolphins. Settle in, America. Packers at Andy's Giants. Hey, the Those, Packers need a win, man. It's a big game for Those them. Those games are starting at the same time, so we aren't going to get kind of the staggered starts that we've gotten to before in this Monday night. Give us one more swoosh. Uh, Purdue outlasts Alabama 92-86. Indiana just absolutely throttled in Atlanta. So if you're a Hoosier fan that went down to to a hot land of the ATL, Auburn winners there 104-76 KB. (laughs) It's unbelievable. You know, it's been a trend here in the last couple years with Mike Woodson. You play these other kind of non-conference high major teams and they've been run off the floor. Boy. Quite a few times. That non-conference resume will have nothing on it away from home. We'll see if it gets something this weekend at home. Obviously, it's Kansas inside of Assembly Hall, but nothing from a non-conference standpoint away from home for Indiana. Butler beats Cal. That was a wild one. I had a nice trifecta driving to Cincinnati Saturday. I was doing the Mark Minner, then a little bit of Rob Blackman, a little bit of Don (laughs) Fisher action. All three of those games kind of staggered. A little bit there. Um, and then lastly, the Fever. They get the number one overall pick in the lottery yesterday. Now, Caitlin Clark technically still could go back to Iowa, correct? She's got... She can, she yes. She has a COVID year? Yes. But we feel good about her. She's liking tweets that include the Fever getting the number one pick, and her boyfriend works for the Pacers. Oh, her boyfriend works for the Pacers? I did not know that. She well, it better, be, the, uh, better be a done deal then. Come on, man. One of the, uh, the guy's got a lot of pressure on him. One of the McCaffrey boys. So Rick Carlisle cannot... Oh, okay, gotcha. Long-distance relationship. fire Connor McCaffrey, right? <laughs> Lynn the, Dunn says, if, if the, you fire Connor McCaffrey... <laughs> I'm coming after you, Like, what you, are you Rick. doing, Carlisle? Come on, man. Uh, no, I hope she's here. That will add. You mentioned if Caitlin Clark uh, on the women's side. If you have Tyrese Halliburton on the men's side, and then you throw in little uh, Jonathan Taylor and Anthony Richardson and some of the guys on the Colts, pretty good. Aaliyah pretty Boston, good. of course. Aaliyah Boston, pretty good. As well. Lynn Dunn, her energy through the roof Friday to round out the week for us. All right, on the other side, we'll get back into the worst performance of the season by the Indianapolis Colts. What does that mean moving forward? And also, a look ahead tonight. Again, the Pacers back in action. Uh, They do have one, I think, pretty notable player on the injury report and uh, a little bit of an Andrew Nemhart update as well. It's a wake-up call with KB and Andy. Not a great one for the Colts. Seven and six now on the season. The I think playoffs. that's a compliment, by the word way. Is, I'm being nice today. Uh, if it were to start today, they would still be the seven seed. You know, not it wasn't all bad. It was a mixed bag. I think what bothered me the most coming from Sunday was you really had a chance to put the Bengals out of their misery. Don't you feel that way? And the Bengals, now they're seven and six. You're seven and six. They're what six teams in the AFC that are right there at seven and six, three others at eight and five. But if you look at it, you know, big picture, Jacksonville, Jacksonville's in trouble. 
Uh, you know, I, let's just say what it is. Jacksonville you was hate bad Jacksonville. yesterday. Well, they're frauds, but that's fine. Jacksonville's in trouble. Uh, the Houston Texans are in. They look like an injured football team on Sunday. I mean, the Jets bullied them around. Concussion uh, protocol. C- yeah, CJ Stroud. Stroud got knocked out of the game there. Uh, and Buffalo goes and gets kind of a gut check for themselves, as does the Broncos. So, you know, and the Browns obviously won. So it's a mixed bag for the Colts. But for me, you. You could have been the fourth eight-win team in the AFC. And then on top of it, I really think you would have set uh, Cincinnati back. They would have been the 11-12 seed, and their season essentially uh, would have been over. You mentioned Saturday, the Steelers game on Saturday, then at Atlanta. Atlanta lost a heartbreaker yesterday to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. They lost in only the way the Atlanta Falcons could lose, really. Uh, And then the Raiders, who scored zero points yesterday, and the Houston Texans, like I said, that are dealing with massive massive injury issues there at the wide receiver and quarterback position. You know, when a a game like that happens yesterday for the Colts, and again, I I think their worst performance of the season, every phase, I I don't think really any of the three units you can absolve from yesterday's effort. What adds to the sting of it, Andy, is you often hear the cliche of, it's just one loss. But that one is a little bit more than that. It's a conference loss. That involves important tiebreakers as we look ahead to the final four weeks of the season. And then to your point, you've lost the head-to-head tiebreaker now to Cincinnati. So if you look at the standings, Andy, you have lost the head-to-head tiebreaker to Jacksonville, to Cleveland, and to Cincinnati. Those are three teams that we could get to Week 18, and they could be right there with you. I mean, right now, all three of those teams are pretty close to you. Um, We'll see how... The Houston game obviously plays out. You could get the head-to-head tiebreaker there. You have the head-to-head tiebreaker over Baltimore, but unfortunately for the Colts, I don't think it's going to matter. Baltimore, they went on a walk-off punt return in overtime. They're leading the AFC. So they could be you know, the AFC North champs, and that's not going to matter. Um, if you look at the standings right now, basically the reason why the Colts are as high as they are in relation to all the 7-6 and six teams is because their conference record is at 5-4. and four. Uh, technically, them and Pittsburgh both have a 5-4 and four conference record. Pittsburgh is just above Indy uh, because they have the better common games tiebreaker. So you add up uh, all the common opponents from each of those two schedules, and Pittsburgh has that. Of course, these two teams will play on Saturday, so another head-to-head tiebreaker will get solved then. But that's where this one stings a little bit more. There's the big picture, like uptick in competition, and that's how you look. I think there's that point of view that you can certainly acknowledge from yesterday, but this one, again, there's a little bit more on the line for this one versus Atlanta in a couple weeks because this is a team in your conference. This is a team that, to your point, you could have put out of their misery with a win, and now the fact that Cincinnati got the win, if all of a sudden you get to the end of the year and these two teams are tied head-to-head, they're going to be above you. So if you're a Colts fan right now, You want multiple teams involved in tiebreakers because if you get multiple teams involved, that's where it goes to conference tiebreaker and the Colts do have a nice AFC record compared to most. How I don't want to say disappointed. How worried are you? I put this tweet out just running the football. Jonathan Taylor, when they played the Bucks, the Pan- the Patriots, and the Panthers, 303 yards in those games, four touchdowns, 3.6 yards per carry. Now, some of that is skewed, obviously, in the Patriots game. Jonathan Taylor did the work early, and then it was kind of a, you know, we're just going to sit on our hands type of game. 
game. Again, let me give you those numbers. In those three games against the Patriots, the Panthers, and the Buccaneers, 303 total yards, four touchdowns, 3.6 yards per carry. The last two games without Jonathan Taylor in Cincinnati and there in Nashville, just 101 yards total in those two games, zero touchdowns, 2.4 yards per carry. I was stunned how little they could do on the ground yesterday. That Cincinnati was can't stop the run. Cincinnati's been a very poor well, run defense this season. Um, mentioned this when Taylor went down a couple weeks ago, Andy. Zach Moss's numbers with Gardner Minshew as a starter are different than they are with Anthony Richardson as a starter. And it, it wasn't a huge, huge difference, but it was... I think it was like .6 per carry, and obviously that adds up over you know 20 carries a game, something like that. But what I'm seeing here each of the last two weeks, it's not so much that like if Taylor would be in the lineup, you'd have whatever, a 100-yard day out of him. Andy, I just think you're getting owned up front. Yesterday, Zach Moss had 13 carries. Six of those 13 went for zero or negative yards. Nine of the 13 went for two yards or less. So when you have, what, 75% of your runs going for two yards or less, that means you're already behind the chains. That means you're putting more on Gardner Minshew's plate, and we know how that's going to end. So I think it's a combination of things. I think it's opposing teams don't respect your passing game, so they're going to load the box. And right now, your offensive line is not controlling the line of scrimmage. Again, against teams that, in particular Cincinnati more than Tennessee last week, Cincinnati's not known for stopping the run at all. I think they were they, they came into the game 31st, I believe, in the NFL in run defense. So um, that is certainly a, a, a big question mark here moving forward. <laughs> okay, I'm so, you know why I'm smiling at you? I, is this like this is going to be the show today? We're just going to go back and forth on how disappointed we are whether I bring up running game, pass rush, quarterback play. Like I was just looking like all the stuff I have here on my sheet is just negative stuff. You mentioned the runs. Nine possessions, KB. Four of them were hurt by penalties where they put you behind the sticks. You know, a holding call, a personal foul call, a false start that puts you behind the sticks. And another was a missed field goal. So five of your nine possessions on Sunday were damaged by either Matt Gay missing a field goal or four others. The penalties put you in a spot to where, you know, I mean, come on, when it gets third and long, the Colts don't have an offense that's built to go pick up a bunch of third and 17s. Nobody does, okay, right now in the NFL, but they surely don't. I mean, this is what a what a sick Sunday it was. I don't mind saying the pass rush was bad, the penalties up front on the offensive line, Zach Moss can't run, probably throwing Minshew too much. By the way, but just looking at Minshew, he averaged 31 attempts in the Bucks, Pats, and Panthers game. He's now up to 41 versus Cincinnati and Tennessee. 41 attempts is what he's done the last two weeks. I Are mean, that's you, just not going to cut it. To me, Matt Gay, I can chalk up as an anomaly. Again, I don't think the weather had a huge impact. And I don't know, maybe I'm giving Matt Gay excuses. You know, he was out in Utah early in the week for the birth of his daughter. I, I How was know, he? He still practiced all week long. So I, I think he's earned the right this season to not all of a sudden think that what happened yesterday is going to be the norm moving forward. Any other facet of yesterday that you label in in the negative category that you think is the anomaly? Or do you look at it and think, wait a minute, you just played the bottom feeders of the NFL pretty much for the past month. You feasted on them. Now the competition yeah, is rising slightly. <laughs> yeah, I'm worried. Not to say it's rising significantly because we watched Pittsburgh lose to back-to-back you know, double-digit lost teams. Anything else on the negative list, Andy, that you look at and say, 
That's an anomaly. Okay, let me ask you this. EJ Speed missed the game for the Colts. How, how does that change what they did? I thought that was a huge did? deal. Yeah, I, 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 I know agree. a lot of people are going to look at the Ronnie Harrison pick six and act like he played a great no, game. EJ Speed not playing a big deal. I thought there were some moments early on where you just had uh, clear issues in you know zone recognition, screen recognition, those things. Um, I would I say think defensive the EJ line Speed loss was big. Yeah, I would. I would say front seven. Is that fair? I mean, they've been. I mean, they've been top five much of the season in getting to the quarterback. I mean, they entered what number two in the NFL in sacks. If nothing else, they would at least get hurries and make Browning. I mean, rewatching part of that game. I mean, Browning steps back and has he gets to go through three and four prog- progressions every single time. Yeah, every single time. And this so is I, again not a team known for their offensive yeah, line. I, I would I would still give their pass rush the benefit of the doubt. I, I kind of felt like. They thought they would get home, and, and that would be able to help them. Uh, like maybe on some of the wide receivers. I mean, T. Higgins, he had the one big catch, but I mean, T. Higgins didn't do very much. I mean, Jamar Chase and Tyler Boyd didn't do anything in this game. And may, I mean, that's a that's a part of this game that we'll forget. Maybe they thought, okay, we're going to put all of our pressure on making sure those two or three guys don't beat us, and they really didn't. That. Th- the front seven was supposed to take care of the other stuff, and they didn't take care of anything. And so then Gus Bradley's like, okay, am I going to throw in pressure? Well, as soon as you throw in pressure, Jake Browning's throwing a, a dump-off pass to Joe Mixon for 40 yards, right? And they had three of those in, the, in that game. They were just back-breaking. The screen stuff, to me, I think is maddening because that is what Jacksonville did to Cincinnati. And, you know, you, you, you can look at it probably a couple of ways, Andy. Teams throw screens against other teams to try and, you know, maybe lessen a pass rush or quiet down a pass rush. And it's not like the Colts ever dialed up their pass rush. It's not like it got going early and Cincinnati said, hey, we got to go to some screen game to try and slow that down at all. So I think that is what's so frustrating is six days ago, you watched that happen. And again, I thought it was such a benefit for the Colts that Cincinnati played on Monday night football last week. That means a large percentage of your roster is watching that game. We had DeForest Buckner on the show. Yep. He was not watching Pacers yeah. Celtics on Monday night. He was watching all week. the Monday night game. Yep. So there should be that natural instinct of, oh, wow, you know, the screen game with Chase Brown or Joe Mixon could be there. And when you're able to strike gold like Cincinnati was on that, it just does wonders for Jake Browning. And it doesn't stress a backup quarterback much at all there. I mean, they had three screens, Andy, go for like 120-some yards. Yeah, you put I mean, in your article. It's just you, you can't have it. Uh, post-game, Shane Steichen talked about those screen passes. I think it depends on situations. You know, you know, you always got to be alert for screens, but when are they calling them? Uh, first and 10, second and pass situations, who knows? Um, but I think, you know, they obviously hit the screens at the right time. You know, you can hit those at the right time, and it looks like they did. I got to go back and watch the tape, though. And I, I think that's part of where you miss EJ Speed. Is some of that screen recognition, his athleticism in space, making a play there. And I know Zaire Franklin had a big tackle number. I, I I still am wondering about that knee injury and just how much that's lingered for him. Uh, for those curious, uh, Shaquille Leonard last night with the Eagles played 14 of 82 snaps. Uh, did not start uh, in two tackles for him. So rotational role, I think he was like their third or fourth linebacker if you look at their snap counts 
uh, last night for the Eagles. By the way, I don't know how how much did you watch of that game? I know you had a long day. Did you just pack yeah, it in, not, hang yeah. out with the family, and go yeah, to sleep? I, that I, sort of I, thing. Yeah, CD Lamb touchdown. I saw early. That was about it. Really. Well, they, they had a they had a play. Did it, it? It made me just think of everything that we have had a conversation about here with Anthony Richardson and with Shane Steichen. Jalen Hurts is a hobbled man right now. Okay, I mean, that's one of the issues that Philadelphia has. That Jalen Hurts, and I, I, you know, part of that is hits that he's taking within the pocket, but we have talked about, just like we did with Anthony Richardson, how many times are you going to run Jalen Hurts? And he's easily aver- averaging into the double figures in his career per game. He had a play, KB, where he rolled to the right and he ran, and he was kind of non-committal. And he was going to slide, but he was just very slow in sliding. And, uh, and a safety came up and gave him a pretty good whack. And and Jalen Hurts is scraping himself off the turf. And I and I just got thinking, you know, when we did all that Anthony Richardson conversation earlier in the year, we kept going to Jalen Hurts. Here's a prime example of Jalen Hurts doing what the Colts don't want Anthony Richardson doing, and that's rolling out, getting a half yard, and getting whacked by a safety or a linebacker. The Eagles are in trouble, man. They yeah, look like a beat-up, like tired football team right now. Crowded top of the NFC with you know a big loss for the Lions yesterday, but San Francisco getting a win. You know who's going to win the NFC East, and obviously either Dallas or Philly. One of those teams is going to go on the road there to start the postseason. Uh, any hangover concern tonight for the Pacers in Detroit? Uh, I could see them. Here's the beauty of this game. Don't you feel like they can play a C-plus game and win? I know Rick Carlisle does not want to hear that. But can't they play kind of off a little bit and still win this game? You would hope. Is Detroit, it worrisome it's only a seven-point spread? Detroit has lost 19 straight, which is just such a wild number. Now, if you remember, these teams met a few weeks ago here at Gambridge Field. That was, it was actually one of the end-season yeah. tournament games. Uh, it was a tie game it's with five minutes to go. Yeah. Pacers went on a huge run to end the game. That final score is not indicative of how it was played for 40 uh, or, or 42 minutes. Um, again, the update on Andrew Nemhard. We saw him get hurt against uh, Milwaukee on Thursday. It is a bone bruise. He's going to be out at least a week. Rick Carlisle's kind of labeled that as week-to-week for Andrew Nemhard. And then Aaron Neesmith, he is questionable tonight. Um with a hip injury, like you said, favored around seven points for the Pacers. I, I am very curious to see how they do react to this because, Andy, it's one of those things where if you lay an egg tonight or if you have a hangover... Oh, you, you can't lose to Detroit. Yeah. You're at Milwaukee Wednesday. You think Milwaukee's got that one circled oh, a bit? Yeah, just a little bit. Yeah, you beat them twice. So now all of a sudden you're you're 12-10, and, 10 and and I feel like some of the positive energy you might have about the in-season tournament, you're kind of back to, oh, wow, is this team hovering around... Yeah. At that play, oh, Minnesota's spot. on Saturday. Minnesota, right now. What did you say during the break? Are they first or second in the Western Conference right now? They lead the Western. They Conference. lead the Western Conference. If we were to the start everything Michael today, Brady's leading the Western Conference. Though. <laughs> I didn't know he's doing play-by-play up there. Good for him. Uh, it's a good team. Yeah, play-by-play up there. I'm trying to look here. It doesn't look like the Bucks have a back-to-back on Wednesday. I know that's always something that we look to with when you play some of those star teams. That is an eight o'clock tip. In Milwaukee, as the Pacers are on the road all week long. All right, we'll continue the Colts conversation. Pacers as well. Eight o'clock hour. We'll do our goats from the weekend. Honestly, we have a lot to choose from, probably in the negative category after what happened this weekend. Good Monday morning to you. Thanks for spending it with us. 93.5, 107.5. It is the wake up call with KB and Andy. 
All right, 8 o'clock hour, hanging on the drive. Huber.com studios, KB and Andy, Mark Dighton, producing today's effort. Whose song is that, KB? Do you know? Come on. He's going to say Papa Roach Come like on. he did before. You know, I'm going with Limp Bizkit. Oh, yes. There we go. I didn't know if you knew such things you or know, not. Mark, he Making always just sure. tries to get on me for my uh, inability to <laughs> Limp Bizkit versus Papa Roach there. Well, Come on now, Mark. We did do a show of just <laughs> Limp Bizkit and Papa Roach rejoiners <laughs> and had you play guests. I think you're about 50%. What a cruddy what a what a cruddy thing that I that I kind of want to do later on at some point in June or July. I think that's a really good song choice, by the way, Mark Dykton. I think it's a great one for the effort yesterday by the Colts. We've talked about it all morning long. Um, the worst performance of the season, and again, every single phase when you look at it from an offensive standpoint, the inability to control the trenches could not run it whatsoever. Zach Moss totally stuffed all day long defensively. Uh, library quiet pass rush every level of that unit. I thought had issues, and then probably your, I would say easily your worst special teams day of the season. When Matt Gay misses two kicks inside of 40, Amir Speed runs into Isaiah McKenzie. That was kind of the, that was the cherry on top of any sort of potential hope, prayer of a comeback was over at that point. And I thought Shane Sykin had some issues as well. Um, so yeah, I, I thought that was your worst performance of the season, Andy. Uh, is it, is it, ta- is it, ta- ta- who's the, who's the Brian who had the uh, who Taven had the base? Taven Bryan, if uh-huh. I'm not mistaken, right? Did you feel bad at all for him when they showed him? Oh, you didn't see the broadcast. They had him on the TV for about 90 seconds. It felt like. By the way, can I broadcast critique here for a second? You can do whatever so, you want. Again, I'm at the game in the press box. Um, there are obviously TVs above us that shows the television broadcast, which is right. great because you watch the play live and then you it's know 20 seconds behind or so. Yeah, yeah, you sure. like to see replays, et cetera, et cetera. Did they not show any replays yesterday, or is that just me? Like, I thought it was a very sparse day of replays from the CBS crew. I thought there were a couple of critical penalties that I'm like, give me another look at that. Hmm. Remember the Jalen Jones penalty in the end zone? I do remember the Jalen Jones. After the Taven Bryan leverage penalty, I'm like, are they going to show this? Uh, Jalen Jones, I think, had another penalty, actually. He did. Like a pass interference, It it was a pass interference on Chase. They did show that, I think, once. Yeah. Which, by the way, was a bad call against Jalen Jones. Yeah. Not to sound like Pat Mahomes. No, I thought there were a few kind of iffy calls. And not just iffy. I thought, like, big penalties that I would have liked to have seen a couple of times. But, um... Yeah, the Taven Bryan leverage penalty. First off, you should never be called for a leverage penalty. Second, you should never be called for that when the field goal is like 35 yards long. <laughs> yeah, the guy's if automatic. If you're Miles Garrett and it's a 55-yarder, sure. all right. You That's probably, a game winner, eight seconds you left. You probably earned the right. End of the first half, sure. end of the game, something like that. But to do that just in the middle of the field like that on a chip shot by one of the best kickers in the league? Come on now. Uh, 239-1070. We're hanging out with you up until 10 o'clock. Reminder, coming up after us, a little greeny. And then you have Query and Company, JMV, coming your way at 3 o'clock. Several things from the game I wanted to pick your brain about. And one of them, we discussed this just a little bit during the break. And then you looked at me and said, I'll explain on air, which is always the better way to do it. So the game is 21-14, KB. I wanted to ask your opinion on this. The game is 21-14. 14 at the time and Cincinnati is driving they're inside the 10 yard line and so this is a big but you know this is eventually they go up 28 14 but this is like one of those big moments uh you know kind of the middle to still beginning of the third quarter there is hope you're only down seven you get a turnover you hold to a field goal there are opportunities in the game It's a second down and three at the six-yard line. 
Cincinnati is called for an illegal blindside block, correct? They're called for that. And that's a 15-yard penalty, if I'm not mistaken. And so you're looking at a situation to where Shane Steichen, now if you were watching the broadcast. I can, thought Steichen, by the way, just to interject, I thought yeah. Steichen said it was going to be a 10-yarder. So either it would have been second and 17 or I think it was a 10-yarder. But Steichen and the ref went back and forth. Did you notice this when you were at the game? Yes, uh-huh. They showed yeah. this a Very lot long. on TV. It, yeah, it took a while. Yeah, they showed this on TV that they kind of, they, you know, they talked for a good 15, 20 seconds. And then it looked like the ref was going to go make the call. And then he turned around and he and Steichen again had a conversation. So there were two or three conversations here. And the point was, you could make that second down and 13, you'd be back at 17. the uh, 17. 17. Excuse me. Uh, you'd be back at what? I mean, you you take that back 10 yards or you decline the penalty. And instead of taking them back and redoing second down, uh, they decided they decided to keep the third down uh, to keep the third down call. It ended up being a third and seven. Now eventually they get about six yards. They go for it on fourth down, do the Bengals, and the Bengals get the touchdown. Great cut and they by Joe ma- Mixon. Yeah, and they make it twenty-eight to fourteen. It was a good cut by Mixon at the time. I thought at the time, this is me, at the time I thought, okay, I would have taken the 10 yards there. Uh, That's what I would have done. Again, you could look back at it and view it much differently. Hey, our defense gets a stop. It's going to be fourth down and short no matter what. I understand that. Here's Steichen talking about that play that happened at the beginning of the second quarter yesterday. Right there was whatever it had been, third and seven, or I think second and 17. They were already in field goal range, so felt good with our defense. Hey, get a stop right here, and they're kicking field goal anyway. So it was second 18. Shoot, if they pop something, it's going to be a third and seven again. Maybe, who knows, right? So that was the decision that was made there. Yeah, I, I would say... Do you have a strong take on that? I, I thought he should have accepted the penalty because I looked at that point of the game, Andy, and thought, I understand where second's coming from and that McPherson's probably going to make a field goal whether it's 28 yards or 38 yards. He's that good of a kicker. But at that point, it felt like you needed one more big play from your defense or special teams. Like You were going to have to have one more kind of outside-of-the-box play to get you back into it. And so in second and fifth, 17, Cincinnati's probably going to play it relatively conservative. But to be honest with you, Zach Taylor opens up that whole playbook for Jake Browning. So at second and 17, you know that, you know, they're probably going to throw it. Can you, you know, drum something up there with your pass rush? And again, insert all the jokes here because the Colts didn't do any of that yesterday over the course of the game to even make you think that that would have been possible. But I think if you put a backup quarterback way behind the chains there, and does Jake Brownie just have kind of a backup quarterback moment? Yeah, does where, he have a mental mistake? Yeah, where he sure. just all of a sudden, you know, thinks he can get a ball to Jamar Chase in a 50-50 window, and could the Colts come away with a big-time turnover there? So I thought he should have... Except that I don't think it's a crucifying mistake by any means with Shane Steichen there. Um, and, you know, to your point, Andy, you got them in a fourth and one. And that is when you should win the line of scrimmage there. I mean, that is a Cincinnati team that, again, is not known for the ability to control the line of scrimmage, dominate in the trenches. They've been an awful run offense team this season. And right there, they give it to Joe Mixon, a fullback. And Mixon's got to make a big cut. To, you know, get a first down there. He gets that, they punch it in, and now it's a 14 point lead. And then the McKenzie fumble happens a few, you know, a few drives later and it's over. 
Yeah, the the McKenzie plays bothersome. I I don't know why I'm bothered by the special teams more than I am just about anything else. I don't know if we just take it for granted. Well, it's it like was you're so in the good game the previous week. Well, it, it's, too. it's been so good. It's one of yeah. games, and it's just one of those things when I guess I feel like when when you're on the field for five plays, six plays, seven plays, eight plays, whatever it is, I view it differently than a guy who's on the field for sixty one snaps. Right? Who's gonna make? Who's gonna make uh, some you know some mistakes along? the way the special teams was just so damn bad yesterday and again for the Colts in this market Andy I think we're pretty used to it's been a pretty reliable unit you know over the course of time really I mean you can go back even to the Peyton years like you know you've been pretty solid on special teams and and I thought just the speed running into them it it, it just closed it closed the book on any sort of comeback hope uh however you want to label it um I did think maybe the Cincinnati guy did a nice job of kind of blocking a mere speed you know, with that little last kind of push, but then Amir Speed just no wherewithal of where he was on the field of real. He just kept on backpedaling there. It's like uh, Isaiah McKenzie could be right here. Like at that point, and I don't know, maybe some of that is on Isaiah to make sure you're screaming and yelling to know, hey, I'm about ready to field it. Uh, but still, I think I was mostly on Speed, who for what it's worth is a rookie. Uh, he's a guy that claimed off waivers about a month, month and a half ago from the Patriots. Uh, in a definite rookie mistake there. It's just so frustrating. So it's 21-14, and you have Steichen, and you have the entire penalty stuff, whether you agree or disagree with that. They get it down to a fourth down. They get the fourth down. Then you get another penalty. It's not a big one, but you go in. It's a Zaire Franklin offsides, and they go right in the end zone, and they score. And it's 28-14, and it's like last gasp-type stuff. And the Colts go three and out, and then the McKenzie fumble happens, and then it's 31-14. It's just so, it's just so frustrating. Even even after that, you had a couple opportunities to get back in the game, to make the Bengals feel a little bit of game pressure, get a little bit of pressure on Brownie, make him feel that game pressure, and they just never did that. From 21-14 on, they never had that push to where they made that one play to where they made this a game where all you needed was a stop, you get the ball back, and anything can happen. That's what. That's what. why this mimicked a little bit of the Jacksonville game, the second Jacksonville game is that right when they got to the point to where you thought, okay, they can put pressure on the other team here. They just didn't do it. And to me, it all started at 21-14 in that penalty call. You know, you could honestly probably feel like Oprah and handing out where the disappointment was yesterday because there were so many you know places for it. I thought the opening drive of the third quarter, Andy, it's 14-all at halftime. And again, I mentioned this earlier, the vibe I got in that stadium was the Colts fans that were there, they're all clapping and cheering for their team of like, we've survived the first half. Right, we're good we to go. We are right back in it. Exactly. Cincinnati's like semi-booing their team running off the field at halftime. Cincinnati gets the ball to start the third quarter. They have four plays of over 10 yards by four different guys in that third quarter drive. That was just an easy six-play touchdown drive. Boom. They're back in control. And then the rest of the second half plays out and you get outscored. 22 nothing. Paul has been hanging in there with us on this Monday morning. Paul, good morning. Good morning, fellas. How you doing? We're doing great, man. How are you? Are you staying warm? Uh, I'm off today, so yeah, I'm real warm. Mail route Paul, by the way, with us right here. So anyways, first the IU game. Mike Woodson killed the momentum, and he went to the bench too early. Why does he do the full hockey sub thing? Why doesn't he stagger those? I have no idea, and to be brutally honest, the fifth isn't that good. Peyton Sparks is horrible. He plays out of control, can't hit a free throw, shoots <laughs> brick. The only bench player that I really like on IU team right now is Walker, the transfer from my 
Miami. Yeah, he had a nice game. He's the only one who's consistent and plays under control when he gets out there. The rest of them seem rushed and and just like they don't know what's going on out there. And I think Mike Woodson killed that game up 22 to 10. He subbed out everybody, went to the bench, and lost momentum and lost the game from that point forward. Going to the uh, Colts game now. He's got a checklist for us. Shane Sykin should have tried to switch it up because Zach Moss was dropping passes. He he didn't find any running lanes. I think he should have went to Goodson because Goodson was a home run hitter at Iowa. Goodson has been good in the passing game, and Goodson could have probably did a little better than Moss did yesterday. And Gus Bradley, this is the worst coach game for the coach that I've seen him coach. No pressure. He thought with with uh, Grover Stewart coming back, we could just get to him with four, and that would be the difference maker. Agreed. Not the difference maker. I agree. Pressure because we made that quarterback look like an all-pro yesterday. Paul, thank you for what you're doing this time of year especially. Stay warm as you can, and as always, appreciate the energy, appreciate the calls. I, I want to start with IU, if you don't mind, Andy. You know, there are times last year where Mike Woodson would do this with Jalen Hood-Shafino and Trace Jackson-Davis. He'd sub both out. I'm thinking, where is the staggering? You know, this, I mean, NBA teams have started to do more and more of this of, you know, leave Tyrese Halliburton Mm -hmm. in with the second unit. And then as you sprinkle some other starters in, then you take Halliburton out. Uh, I've been dumbfounded by that with Woodson. And the thing is, people ask him about it in post game press conference, and he just doesn't even acknowledge it. He's like, these guys can't play 40 minutes. I'm like, I'm not saying you play them 40 minutes, but you don't need to have. Malik Renew and Khalil Ware sitting for the same four to six minute sequence or however long they need to be on the bench. You lost by 28. You got torched from behind the arc. I don't want to act like this would have changed the game, but that has been an issue with Woodson. I think really in all three of his seasons, Andy, that it's just like, come on. Like To me, it seems so obvious. Why do you keep on doing it? Yeah, Woodson's dismissive on that kind of stuff. And all I can think of, and you know this, following coaches... When a season's not going their way and they're dismissive at the very beginning, this can become a long oh, no. season. There's when a you big get to stubbornness. Ja- yeah, when yeah. you get to January and February in the Big Ten, a couple games against Purdue and everything. I mean, think about this. IU was up 12 at the 12.54 mark, and they ended up down at halftime by 18. They were down 52-34 at halftime. At the 12.54 mark, they were up 12. Yeah, it was a 40 40- Two to twelve run by Auburn to end the first. Auburn half. got punched and punched back. Notre Dame lost by less than IU I, did. I, I watched some of that. Oof, oof. Notre you Dame. A, you got a long way. To, you didn't watch all that, did you? That was a backdoor cover. I was, was, I was it a backdoor 20 cover? Twenty and a half was the spread. <laughs> I was flipping back and forth between the baser games. I was wondering if you dedicated a TV or an iPad or a computer to the Notre Dame basketball game. I did watch about 10, 15 minutes of that, and then I said, "That's enough." I've done enough. Again, quiet weeks for Indiana and Purdue with both of them on finals. But boy, Saturday uh, for Indiana, you need something on the resume. You'll you have the opportunity in your own building with Kansas coming to town, and then for Purdue, it will be the number one team in Arizona. Boy, Arizona. I mean, they put up 98. Oh, they can score, man. On Wisconsin. I know. They can score. You know, I think IU felt this last year when they played Arizona in Vegas. Arizona's big. I mean, they've got. Bodies, it's gonna be a game, and they've man. got dudes. I am so disappointed that game is the same time as the Colts game on Saturday. And remember, and there's no St. Peter's joke in this. That's a peacocker. No, oh, it is a peacocker. That's a peacocker. 
It is a peacocker. There's no St. Peter's joke Get with that, Get the Purdue subscription fans. out, Todd Meyer. 430. Pay that $5.99. Someone give Jake Query their password so he can watch the games over the weekend. <laughs> it, it is a beautiful sound. It's time for our Goats of the Week. Who is the GOAT? I told you all that I was the greatest of all time. Jordan, here's Michael at the foul line. A shot on Elo. Good! That's what I'm talking about! That's why he's the MVP! That's why he's the GOAT! The GOAT! Or GOAT. (laughs) This guy sucks. Of the Week. Called the big goat of the week is the big goat of the week or the good goat of the week. I never can remember yeah, the way. Big goat. Big it's goat. It doesn't really matter. It matter. Yeah, I figured. People. So we do one. Uh, one goat of the week. Who's a good goat and one bad goat of the week. And I'm gonna go first. I'll go with my good goat of the week. It's Joe Flacco, baby. Oh. Joe Cool, man. Is Joe Flacco elite? He threw the ball 45 times on Sunday. I mean, what is this? Seven years ago? Uh, no, I can't believe. 45 it. times. 300. 11 yards and three and threw for three touchdowns at a QB rating of 92. I mean, we're getting Joe Flacco in the playoffs. <laughs> yes, you are. And, and you know, I mean, I don't know what to say. He turns 39 next month about Joe Flacco. Jo- about Joe Flacco. And but he's jo- slinging it, by the jo- way. Joe Flacco's playing better than probably six, seven starting quarterbacks right now in the NFL. That's not a crazy thing to say, is it? No. I mean, until yesterday, he was better than anything that the Jets have thrown out there. He's better than anything the Giants have thrown out there. Half the games that the Bears threw out there. He was better than Trevor Lawrence yesterday. My goat of the weekend goes to another epic Army-Navy game. Nothing like a goal line stand to decide Army-Navy. And then did you guys see how the over hit? No, I did no. not. Oh my god! Oh, tell us. Maybe I did. I, I didn't. I didn't bet safety? this game. It was the safety oh. on the final play of the game with the clock at triple zeros of the Army quarterback running out of I the end zone. Oh, that's great. That's Twenty-seven great. and a half. The over/under. It's sixteen to ten. God bless America. I mean, literally, nothing <laughs> defines our country more than God that. Bless the America. overhit on a safety on the final play. Of Imagine the game. being that big of a degenerate. Come oh, on. Oh, people are betting that Hell game. Yeah. Everybody. Oh, I mean, that, Mark. That's the only game on it's the Saturday. Only, oh, yeah, it's the only college football game. You know people were loading up on that over-under. Army-Navy lives up to it every single year. Pa- patriotism defined in that one. Mine is uh, last night. The Dallas Cowboys absolutely Ooh. destroyed the Eagles. Eagles were butt routed in back-to-back weeks against the 49ers and Cowboys. Two teams definitely in the NFC playoff picture. But my good goes to Dak Prescott, who's Ugh. been on quite the heater over the last eight games. Here's his stats. 25 touchdowns, two interceptions, over 2,400 yards passing, and a 69% nice completion percentage, and the Cowboys are 7-1 in that stretch. Do we think he's the MVP favorite? I, I have to yes. think he's he's top three at least. I think he is. And top three would be him, Brock Purdy, Tyreek Hill, in some order. I think that's in probably order. I think that's probably fair. And I think that's what you're looking at, is it not? Right now he'd be the MVP. I think what he about would. Tua? Uh, we'll see what happens tonight. Two would be in my top five or six, but Dak Prescott's going to win the NFL MVP. That, it's going to happen. Makes me sick to my stomach. I was going to say, just the tone of your voice, just so uh, much disdain. Well, that. I mean, I can't even watch. I'm like, I'm watching the Eagles be pulverized and driven into the ground, and usually that's something that would make me very happy. It'd keep me up all night. I would not need coffee to do this show. But then it happened to the Cowboys, who look like, you know, one of the top two or three teams in the NFL. My- I don't have the patience to jack with you today. 
My lowercase goat of the weekend, you could go in a lot of areas. I think mm-hmm. we've discussed some of the team-specific ones you could go with. Guys, I'm going off the field. It was astonishing to me how many people I saw in the Cincinnati press box yesterday at halftime get in line and load up their plate with Skyline chili. Mm-hmm. I, I'm thinking to myself, folks, isn't that an automatic toilet for the rest of the day? It is. And here they are in it a foreign like environment. Foreign environment. They're in a working environment, you would think, and they're going to risk their bodily intestines to that for the for the next X amount of hours? Well, I mean, it's a controlled bathroom up there. It's not like if you had to go and you're in Section 308 or something. Working, like, I, you need functioning toilets, like you're worried, Are you worried about having to leave to go to the toilet for like 15 minutes and you miss a big play in the game? Is that what sure, you mean? Or, or your other duties. I mean, I'm watching security. Duties, was that intentional? Police. Was that intentional what you just said? <laughs> Policemen, police. I mean, like, and, and the size of these plates with the Skyline Chili, I'm like. Yeah, but they're used to it. It's yeah, like if you grow up in like cold weather, you're you're not bothered by the cold weather. It's kind of like there that. are members of the indie media doing this, and I and, oh boy. and I'm looking at them like guys. Oh boy, you must be able to. I sound like JMV right now, but you must be able to respect the road environment <laughs> better than I can. It's a <laughs> show, Kevin. <laughs> well, the thing about what it, is that I don't know. The, I don't remember. The only thing is that from an interview we did. <laughs> I don't. I don't know. The only it's a thing <laughs> show, Kevin. The only thing I would worry about is when you have to go down and uh, you know. Going to the locker room. That's what I'm saying. That, that would be the worst. It's not when I'm sitting up there, you know, third quarter. You get. I guess here's the thing. If you eat, if hey, you eat it at halftime, Big Grove, get yeah. out of the stall. I gotta go in there. <laughs> if you eat it at halftime, you still have like what an hour and forty minutes maybe before you need to go down the elevator and go into the locker room. So you're giving yourself a buffer. I guess would be my point. Right. Of at it, least ninety minutes. But you spend two series in the stall. That could be the difference in the game. <laughs> splash! 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 That is so. Is it long, mostly? Mark. I ask this. It's mostly men in these press boxes, anyway. Did yeah, you see any it. women eating the skyline chili? Oh, yeah. Okay, sure. yeah. okay. Uh huh. Just Which, making sure it's not a man thing. I'm not judging that at all. I'm more judging the act of all the uh, like. Damn, those people. I guess I semi respect it. I judge and I respect it because. I just couldn't pull that off. You went with the two cookies instead. Two chocolate chip cookies for me. Maybe the booth is sponsored by Tums or Pepto Bismol or something. <laughs> yeah, maybe that's I, what's I, going on. I bet they, people th- they literally need a sand for that at the I end. I bet of the- people thought you were pretentious. Oh, look at KB. <laughs> oh, this guy he talked about cookies. Yeah, Mark, he talked about it all week. He said he was never going to eat that skyline. And look at him. He's just eating a couple cookies out of a box. Yeah, this is coming from someone that's putting his coffee here several times in the calendar year. <laughs> Andy, what's your bad? Oh, goodness. I K- think I know where you're yeah, going. You want to go ahead and play clip six. We're going to make oh, KB Lord. listen to 35 seconds of this. Go ahead. The Pat thing Holmes. is, I'd rather let, let us play, man. Like, let us play the game. And then whatever happens, happens. Like, the whole throwing the flag and deciding the game one or another um that that that's what hurts me that's why like last week i didn't say anything because it's it's letting us play man let us let us go out there and win the game and i said i'd rather them let us play and go out there and, and see who wins i mean that's what you want as a competitor is you, you practice all week to go out there and try to win and uh you want it to be about the your team and that team and see what happens you, practice you never want to be to you don't want to be talking about this stuff after the game um, oh, that's good enough that's good enough we have like i have a couple clips i just cut them this morning i, I had agree to you here by the way uh this is my lowercase uh the chiefs are eight and five on the 
year. Kadarius Tony, if you didn't see it, and near the end of the game, in what inside two minutes, they're driving. It looks like the Chiefs are going to do what they always do to the Bills in Arrowhead, and that's beat them in the final seconds. They get a play to Kelsey. Kelsey's in the middle of the field running. He he flips it back to Kadarius Tony, who then runs into the end zone. It looks like this great organic and by the way, badass play. Like if you said, you know, if you're a Chiefs fan, you got to be loving it. The problem is Kadarius Tony lined up offsides, lined up way offsides, and the Chiefs were mad that the ref didn't alert them, didn't alert Tony, didn't alert Andy Reid and the coaching staff. Reid whined about it. Mahomes was throwing an absolute baby fit on the sideline, going after the side judge and everything else. And then after the game, I don't know if you saw this, when he went to go shake Josh Allen's hand, did you happen to see this? It was great. He, he, you know, Allen was stunned by it. You know, Allen thinks we're going to go out there. We've had so many big games, whether it be postseason, regular season between these two teams. They're friends, you know. Yeah, for the most part. And Mahomes says to him, worst effing call I've ever seen. (laughs) And they shake hands, and Josh Allen just looks confused. But the Bills got a big one. If they lost that one, you know, if the Chiefs win that game and the Colts beat the Bengals, we wake up today with the Bills and Bengals out of the postseason. We really do. We wake up with two teams in the AFC, uh, AFC absolutely eliminated, but that's not what happened. Mark Dyson? Uh Well, that Patrick Mahomes bitching was, was one of mine, but I'll let Andy have that one. Uh, my follow-up is the poor bastards that were in attendance for Raiders-Vikings. <laughs> I just did. Uh, that they were in attendance for Raiders Vikings. Uh, you should get a hundred dollars in free chips. Everyone who's in attendance for that game because that was god awful. I think Red Zone was like, I guess we'll throw to this game now, but there was so many so many other late games going on. It was just oh, so you bad. know Raiders Vikings had the feel of like you go watch your favorite MLB team and they're getting no hit by like inning six, so then you just start to cheer for the yeah. no hitter. Raiders Vikings got so bad, you just cheer for the game to go scoreless in overtime. Oh, I wanted a zero zero tie. Right, that's right. what that game that's, deserved. That's, and, and I love the Frank Bieber gifts making making its way across social media. <laughs> um, three nothing, the Vikings, who I believe would still be in the playoffs, right? Yep. Yeah, that you was know a what, huge win for you, them. You know what that game was? That game was a soccer friendly. That's what that game was. You know, like a friendly, it doesn't, like you're watching the game and you're thinking, do these teams know, like, what's at stake here? You mentioned Minnesota. They're a six seed right now. That's a huge game for Minnesota. Uh, and they went to they went to uh, Nick Mullins after a while, did. so the Josh Dobbs experience might be over, and you don't know what's going on with Justin Jefferson either. Let's uh, lead off our morning check down with the Pacers back in. The morning check down. Omaha! Omaha! On 93.5 and 107.5, The Fan. So tonight, it's a 7 o'clock tip in Detroit. Nothing says congrats on the nice run in the in-season tournament like going from Vegas to Detroit. Pacers are favored by 7. The Pistons have lost. This is not a misprint, by the way. 19 in a row. They did not win in December. Or they haven't won in December. They did not win in November either. If we go back to Saturday night, um, I think the disappointment for me, Andy, falls in line with some of your veterans in that starting lineup. For how good Miles Turner was against the Bucks, he was equally as bad against the Lakers. Uh, and then Bruce Brown and Buddy Heald as well. I mean, your three kind of most veteran guys on your team. I actually thought your bench played pretty well. Halliburton wasn't great, but I, you know he had a nice night. Um, but I, I, I thought those three veterans really, really struggled. And in general, you just didn't shoot uh, well from three in either of those two games in Vegas. Uh, was it mission accomplished? Like 90%, do you feel that way? It would have been great to win, but I feel like people know about Halliburton and they know about this Pacer team like a heck of a lot more than they did a week ago. Is that wrong to say? I don't really care about that. I I, I understand there are some people that care about the national attention. I'm more of a, 
you need to experience this for April and May. Right. Like, you, you need to get a taste of what higher intensity level games are. Now, to be fair, a seven game series is a lot different than just one and done formats in you know early December, but. Um, I think that is the most important thing for this Pacers team. And we continue to see you know, areas that they certainly need to improve. And I'll be curious if they choose to do anything coming up here in a few months when the trade deadline rolls well, around. That's what I was going to say. Are you How interested are you? And this is a big picture topic we don't have to do in full here on the checkdown. But uh, OG Ananobi, Pascal Siakam, a couple different names thrown out there that maybe the Pacers would go after. How much do either of those guys interest you? I mean, at some point here in the next few weeks, we will have to talk about that, right? Do they add somebody? If you do, then you're going to take guys off this team. Are you breaking up a good good thing but you need to get someone who's a little bit more of a star uh, as well is it a wing do you need someone down low for rebounding I mean that is that is the conversation is it not yeah and part of me has always been about just let this season play out as is um, but it is kind of crazy to think about this Andy if for some reason the Pacers lose tonight and then lose to Milwaukee on Wednesday they would be outside of the playoffs oh sure yeah they would be, be the nine seed like I mean it is that jumbled in the Eastern Conference so again 12 and eight on the year Important they got some of those wins, but now we're back to like, all right, can you start to string this together and make up for, I think, a sluggish start to the year and not taking advantage of all those By the way, games? if the Pistons don't win tonight, I mean, that losing streak could be quite a bit because they've got back-to-back games against the, the 76ers, the Bucks, the Hawks, the Jazz, two games against the Nets, the Celtics. <laughs> it could be rough. And again, Jay Ivey, <laughs> it, it, it's been a bench roll. On that what if they went two and eighty? Oh, what if they actually went two That'd and eighty? Awesome. Why'd it be funny if they went two and eighty? Uh, let's go to the Colts. 34-14 Bengals winners on Sunday. Both teams now seven and six. If the playoffs were to start today, uh, the uh, the Colts would still be in. They would be the seven and seed. But now, boy, I tell you, all that leeway, all that slack is gone. Gardner Minshew, not a bad game, not great. Threw the ball thirty nine times, had a touchdown, a pick, two hundred forty through the air. He talked post game on all the issues, all the negative things that happened during the game nope. no i mean i think we're all on the same page you know today wasn't um wasn't what we're about wasn't what we want to be about uh, a lot of self-inflicted um you know wounds we got to figure it out we got to learn from this grow um but i think we should still have a lot of confidence in the body of work we put on tape this year uh and the work we've done together so i think we're going to come together get better and uh be ready to go next uh, saturday Four games left. He mentioned Saturday. It's coming up this Saturday. Steelers in Lucas Oil. Just, that one, 4.30 on the NFL massive. Network. Yeah, Huge absolutely game. Absolutely massive. Locally, I believe, on CBS 4, by the way. Uh, but just absolutely massive of what is at stake playoff-wise with the Colts and Steelers. And again, TJ Watt, Alonzo Highsmith, one of the better edge-rushing duos in the league. Both of those players in concussion protocol here as we get into week Gardner Minshew always sounds like he just left a hookah bar. <laughs> Every time I hear him talk. I think there might be something a little different in that uh, hookah action there. Um, what else? College basketball from the weekend. Again, Purdue. Uh, they withstood a flurry of threes from Alabama in the first half. Braden Smith, Zach Eady, outstanding. Purdue wins north of the border. Indiana, good for, what, six, eight minutes. Horrific for the final 32 or 34 minutes. And that one uh, off. Both those teams off all week long. Uh, they will take on two big, big programs coming up on Saturday. It'll be Kansas inside of Assembly Hall. That is a 12:30 tip, and then Purdue over at Gamebridge Fieldhouse against a number one ranked Arizona. And Butler held on in double OT to beat Cal. It was uh, kind of a sluggish one for the Bulldogs there, and trying to put away a uh, Cal team that's under 500 on the year. But Butler uh, with a pretty nice non-conference resume 
as they avoid any what, worry. What would have been an ugly loss? Any worry? They placed two bad teams, what Buffalo and Cal, and they you know labored to get to the finish line on both of those games. Or hey, it's a win, it's a win. It's your number two under Thad Mata. Like it's all right. It ain't a big deal. I think Where do you I'm, come down? I think I'm with the latter on that. Again, the non-conference resume still has a lot of right. nice things, but the Big East is going to be different and obviously going to be scouted a little bit more. They were so bad in the Big East last year, just outclassed way too often that now I think you're kind of getting into a different grading scale here coming up uh, later this year. Uh, lastly, how about the Fever? They get the number one overall pick, Lindon, celebrating like no other on Sunday night. There's a big night. crowd down there, too. Big crowd yeah. at Cambridge Fieldhouse for that. So now, Andy Sweeney, we just have to make sure that Caitlin Clark goes pro, right? Yeah, well, can they outpay? What do the Fever pay? Are we going to pass around the hat? Like, how much NIL money is Iowa going to throw at her? What does the number one pick in the WNBA make? <laughs> I have no idea. I, I asked that in all seriousness. Uh, I'll look it up during the break. I do not know, but it's probably, I hate to say this, it's probably less than she could get an NIL at Iowa, is it not? I, I think that's accurate, to be quite I honest. I mean, it probably is, but she's got to move on. you got to become a pro, you know? Come on. Become a professional. Get out of Iowa. Join your boyfriend, who is uh, there working for Connor the Indiana McCaffrey, Pacers. for the Pacers, yeah. Nice long distance relationship you ever done a long distance relationship back in the day I can't say i've done des moines to or iowa city to <laughs> downtown indianapolis she had a girlfriend in bloomington so we we're a few hours away oh, at, at one point across 46. That, that was uh that that's how that's how i knew that's how i knew the landscape of what to do and not do uh in bloomington indiana uh now again caitlin clark has the extra year due to covid uh, but we'll see if the Fever for the second straight year, obviously Leah Boston last year, the, we know they're going to have their one pick. We'll see if indeed it will be Caitlin Clark coming up in the spring. All right, on the other side, we'll continue the Colts' reaction from yesterday, their worst performance of the season. Play our fan tweets of the game coming up in the 9 o'clock hour. It is the wake-up call with KB and Andy right here on 93.5, 107.5, The Fan. You know, sometimes when you lose a game, KB, we start talking about things that maybe we did not talk about when you won a game. And I think potentially the running game for the Colts might be one of those things. They didn't run it well against the Tennessee Titans, but it was kind of one of those things. Well, you won a game and they've, quote unquote, found a way. You know, I did the stats earlier on in the show. If you look at the Bucks game, the Pats game and the Panthers game with Jonathan Taylor in those three games, they combined for 303 yards rushing four touchdowns. That's about 3.6 yards per carry. And then the last two games, Cincinnati and uh, the Tennessee game without Jonathan Taylor just totaled 101 yards, zero touchdowns, and 2.4 yards per carry. And it just goes back to Zach Moss is a quality player. I think there's a couple things. Zach Moss is a quality player. He's not Jonathan Taylor. That is part of the conversation. Uh, And then the other is just not good enough on that offensive line, moving people around to where you can run the football at least a little bit. It's a lot of pressure on Gardner Minshew and company. I would argue uh, it's more of the latter, by the way. Yeah, you think it's I, more I, of the latter? I, I Especially yesterday, I, I did not think your offensive line did anything to establish the line of scrimmage, provide Zach Moss with a whole lot of room. If you look at it, Andy, Moss had 13 carries yesterday. Six of them went for zero or negative yards. Nine of them went for two yards or less. I mean, that that's nothing. And to me, just getting a one or two yard gain or the ability to do that, that starts with your O-line. And then your running back's job is then to turn that into a little bit more. Right. Uh, so some of the big play runs, if you will, I think that's where Taylor comes into play. 
Now, do we think there's any chance for Saturday for Taylor? Uh, I, I, boy, I tell you, I, I feel like this needs to become a bigger conversation piece. It's Again, it's one of those things. If they would have lost the Tennessee game, maybe we would have pointed to it. But the, I, I feel like... I don't know. I feel like I've dropped the ball and maybe we've all dropped the ball. Just a Jonathan Taylor discussion because Zach Moss was so good early on in the year. I guess here's where I'm at. I'm like 70%, perhaps even 75, 80% on Sunday. I'm frustrated in the offensive line. But what I do know is I still feel like there are just those few little plays where Jonathan Taylor can do something that might be a little bit special. Well, especially and Zach Moss, you're just game. not going to get that. I mean, Moss had a couple of drops yesterday, or just, again, dynamic plays as a receiver. You don't really see it. You know, Paul called in earlier. He brought up Tyler Goodson. This is a guy that they've brought up from the practice squad, number 31, for yeah. those unfamiliar who he is. He had a catch, didn't he, I think, yesterday? It does seem yeah. like that's a dude that they are trying to get in space right now. Like, he's got a little bit of jitterbug to him, and they're trying to get him a couple of touches. Um, now, again, Taylor for Saturday. I, I would say right now I'm not necessarily expecting it, but, again, this is an injury, Andy, that it seems like once he does have good control in his right hand, the right thumb, ball security, pass protection, then he's good to go. Um, Wednesday will be two weeks removed from the surgery. Saturday would, of course, be about two and a half weeks removed. If you think back to the timelines we've had throughout this process, Jim Irsay originally said, we hope in the two to three week range. Now, Ian Rappaport from NFL Network came back and labeled it a little bit more in the three to five week range. So if you go off of Rappaport, you would say no for Saturday. If you believe Irsay's hope, then Saturday against Pittsburgh is a possibility. Um, so just something, I guess, to watch. Again, everything will be bumped up a day for the Colts this week. So the normal Wednesday, Thursday, Friday practice schedule will now become Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. You think they like playing on Saturday? You think Steichen would play, likes playing this game on Saturday? Bad taste, taste out of your mouth? Uh, it's a day early, or do you think they'd rather play this game, you know, 4.30 on Sunday, give, them, give themselves an entire other day? Yeah, I'd say the one disadvantage of that is not maybe from a Colts standpoint. It's more from a Pittsburgh standpoint. Right. Uh, their top two pass rushers, TJ Watt, one of the best players in the NFL, is in concussion protocol. Um, for those that watch the Thursday night game, Pittsburgh and New England, TJ Watt gets kicked in the face on the opening play of the game, goes into the medical tent, but then <laughs> appears to be fine and plays the rest of the game. Then has a concussion. And yeah. then Friday morning, they say that he is in concussion protocol. So, you know, when you look at him, you look at Alonzo Highsmith, who also is in protocol for them, their other good pass rusher. Andy, they get, you know, what, 10 days to try and make it through the protocol? Nine days, I guess, with the game being on a Saturday. So those will be huge things to watch because, again, Pittsburgh, they stink on offense. Less than 20 points each of the last four oh, weeks. Oh, Trubisky's terrible. Trubisky looked awful. For them to win this game, in my opinion, T.J. Watt's got to play. Like, T.J. Watt has got to make the T.J. Watt type of play. Oh, the defense has to go on and win the game. Yeah. How they beat uh, the Bengals a couple weeks ago and how they beat a couple of these teams at home before they lost to Arizona. I can't remember who, who, who they just lose to. Arizona Patriots. and who? Oh, yeah, the Patriots before those two games. By the way, as we were talking, it's like he's listening. Joel A. Erickson, now, is he one of those guys that had the skyline? You don't have to say if you don't want to. I know he was there. I don't believe he okay. had it, but certainly he, some people sitting you know, around him. He, he put it. the Colts have rushed for fewer than 100 yards in four of the last five games. They've got to get it fixed because if you can't run the ball, you're putting too much on Minshew to carry the team on his back. I, I think that is the that's what's frustrating about them not being able to run the football is you're making Gardner Minshew 
We've talked about him being the guy who's, you know, the stats on the back of his baseball card, or I guess his football card. You're just making him have to do too much. That's how I feel watching these games the last few weeks is he's just having to do too much. You well, have to be able to get in second down and six, second down and five every now and then. I would say he's being asked to do a little bit too much, yes, but I would also say you watch a game like yesterday – and you see one team with elite playmaking at the skill positions and another team that doesn't have elite playmaking at the skill positions. And obviously Jonathan Taylor's presence would help in that area. But you watch Cincinnati, Andy, and Joe Mixon takes a screen pass and says, watch this. Right. And T. Higgins can get behind a secondary and make a big play. You know, Jamar Chase has the presence out there um, that you know calls for a ton of attention and obviously can do that as well. So I think that was kind of another reminder from yesterday. All right, we'll continue the Colts conversation. Again, Pacers back in action tonight. Saturday night did not count towards their 82-game record here. Uh, Starting Monday and obviously the rest of the season, you are back into that mode. So it is at Detroit tonight, and they will have one key member of their team or is questionable for tonight from an injury standpoint. We'll share that with you. And give our fan tweets of the game. It's a wake-up call with KB and Andy right here on 93.5 on a 7.5, the fan. The in-season tournament on Saturday, and then what happened on Sunday there in Cincinnati? KB did he uh, he did park underground, which I told him not to. I know, but he got that free parking. He got out in time, so uh, you We're know good. you shunned me, and you're good to go. Otherwise, I was worried you're out to just come in this morning. You're driving the uh, <laughs> trailing the Colts police escort. Oh, on seventy four the whole way home. Were yeah, you really? Uh-huh. Okay, uh, how fast were they going? There's six buses. They were uh, not fast enough. Let's yeah, just say that. Yeah, that, yeah. That's, you're trying to get them that's what I figured. Out. The horn. I mean, 74. <laughs> I feel like. I mean, that's a night. I mean, you can go 80 there, zero problem whatsoever. Oh yeah, 80, 85. That's yeah. easy. Yeah, come on, let's go. They were not doing that. Uh, I want to ask you one thing here. Uh, our last segment this hour, nine o'clock hour, coming up here in just a few minutes. You know, I got thinking. He had a nice play, broke a couple tackles, and got a first down early on in the game. And I'm talking about Josh Downs, three touch, uh, three catches on just three targets. 32 yards. He's now been six games without a touchdown. His last touchdown was back on October 22nd, uh, 22nd against Cleveland. And the only reason I bring it up is even you look at the last five games, he's averaging 27 yards receiving per game. And it made me just think of this A, because, you know, I just noticed, okay, what's going on with Josh Downs? And then you mentioned as well, and you were right, especially without Jonathan Taylor, not of a lot of elite playmakers. And there's no doubt that Michael Pittman got his on Sunday. He always does. He has had such a great year. Pierce back to his normal couple catches for 22 yards. Tight ends did a little bit. You know, Mallory, Mo Cox had the touchdown and everything else. Uh, But Josh Downs, 27 yards per game the last five games has not had a touchdown since back in October. What do you think's going on there? Is that just... The offense isn't humming. We have seen that even in wins because when we talk about playmakers, I mean, there was there was a two, three-week period. We were talking about this guy putting up some pretty good numbers. You know, there was a play yesterday, Andy. I forget. It was sometime in the second half, I believe, where Downs did his kind of like in-motion thing, and at one point he's coming out of the backfield in motion. So, you know, there's a lot of window dressing, if you will, uh, before the snap from Shane Steichen, and Downs runs kind of like a wheel route down the Colts sideline, and I thought if Gardner Minshew could have hung in there a little bit, it's a play I want to go back and check, because I don't uh, the pass rush was starting to kind of hum a little bit, but I thought there was an opportunity for Minshew maybe to hang in there, and you would have gotten Moss 
you know, again, kind of like already revved up because he was in motion down that sideline for a potential big play, and Gardner ended up throwing it a little bit over the middle there. So um, I, I, I still don't think that the lack of production from downs should be any sort of blame on him. I think it's more to do with the offense as a whole, certainly the quarterback situation. Um, that's where I'd probably go on that. It, it's amazing to go back and look at this box score, Andy, offensively or defensively. And I'll toss this question again your way. You can't say Michael Pittman Jr. Who was the best player on the Colts yesterday? I mean, I guess I would have to go back and say Franklin, right? I mean, do you go Zaire Franklin just because he led the team in tackles yet again? I mean, is that where you go? I, I, I'm struggling here. If I can't go, if I can't go Pittman, I can't go any. No one on special teams outside of the tackle for loss. Yeah, do you remember I, I, that no, many impact no, plays from him? I, I don't. I mean, he played a couple snaps on offense again. Yeah, if I can't yeah, he's go, a good decoy. In the flat if I can't, the if I can't go Pittman, they could they could not run the ball or protect their quarterback. So you can't go any running back. You can't go anyone who's on that offensive line. You can't go Will anyone Mallory? special teams. Five catches for 46 yards for the rookie from Miami. I mean, maybe. <laughs> you, want me, you want me to give you a Will Mallory 5 for 46? I mean, I guess that's fine. I was hoping they might catch Alec Pierce with something big and try to replicate Just one that. shot, right? Yeah, just one shot, but you you saw all the passing game was in front of them and everything else. Uh, I know we'll talk about it coming up here in five minutes in the 9 o'clock hour, but just a total disappointment. Every side of the football played poorly for most of the game on Sunday. Why was yesterday the most disappointing loss of the season, and is it just one loss, or is there more impact off that? And again, we'll take a look at tonight. The Pacers back in action in Detroit to take on the worst team in the NBA. It's a wake-up call with KB and Andy, 9 o'clock hour, coming up next. A little Fred Durst for you on this Monday, hanging on the drivehubler.com studios. It's the wake up call with KB and Andy, Kevin Bowen, Andy Sweeney, Mark Dykton, hanging out with you. One more hour to go. Reminder, you hear any of our nonsense, you miss any, check it out, 1075thefan.com. The same goes for Jake, Jimmy, and company. Me and, J- me and Jimmy Cook are very happy about what the Yankees did this weekend. We can get into that. Let's start a podcast about what we did. We never got into Otani. I think I'm going to give Jimmy a, a Kadarius Tony jersey. For Christmas, there. <laughs> I think I am uh, as well. Nearly bought one a couple years ago. Uh, I'm kidding. So uh, we'll continue hanging out uh, with you another hour to go. We'll get to our five word headlines coming up in about 15 minutes or so. A little Pacers discussion. I see ESPN, uh, ESPN about an hour, hour and a half ago put up something on the All Star game. Tyrese Halliburton starting perhaps in that All Star game. Want to dive to that, but let's get back into the Colts discussion. And you teased something that I think is the question that every single Indianapolis Colts fan is asking themselves. Was the game Sunday, the game yesterday against the Bengals, was it just one game where you didn't play well and the offensive line and the running game stunk and the special team stunk and the pass rush and recognizing a screen pass, all of that was bad? Or is this a team that has overachieved and perhaps... Uh, the clock is ready to strike midnight. The Steelers coming in town. We know what their defense could look like. We know they like to win ugly. Uh, the Falcons coming up in a couple weeks. That's going to be a huge game for both those teams. And then ending things uh, with the Texans. I'll say for me, KB, when this game was 14-14, I was believing that that the Colts were going to win the game. Uh, I don't mind saying it. You mentioned a lot of fans going into halftime. The Colts fans there in Cincinnati were inspired by the way the team ended. Ended the half, but the second half, a complete disaster. For me, 
I don't know if it's benefit of the doubt. I'm willing to say it's a one-game thing, but I got to be honest, the running game the last couple weeks, not knowing when Jonathan Taylor is going to be back, boy, I tell you, the special teams being so bad, I'm willing to say it's a one-game thing, but I have more worry than I did a week ago. Yeah, and I also think if you look at the rest of the way, Cincinnati might be the best team you play the rest of the way. I think the Texans are really injured, man. C.J. Stroud goes right. into concussion protocol. I could see them. Maybe they have they've topped out on what their season but is I, going I, to be. I, I think they're more. Oh, they're better than the Raiders. I think they're more potent than Pittsburgh, and I think they're better than the Falcons and the Raiders. Um, I think what stands out from yesterday is it is one loss, but it is a little bit more than one loss when you think about the ramifications off of it, and that is. It's a conference loss. That's a very important tiebreaker. I've got an article up on 1075thefan.com that kind of details where the Colts are in the playoffs, how the tiebreaker scenarios are currently looking. Uh, and then two, uh, you have lost a head-to-head tiebreaker to Cincinnati. So, you know, right now the Colts have lost three head-to-head tiebreakers to Jacksonville, to Cleveland, and to Cincy. Three teams that could be right there with you at the end of the year. Saturday is the next head-to-head tiebreaker, which, again... I, I cannot stress this enough. Saturday will define your season, probably. I mean, that, 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 I, I think it's that big of a game. If you win it, you are in very good playoff standing. If you lose it, it's panic time. It's yeah. probably over. Well, you're going to um, need people need in front of you. Of help. Like, yep. that's what yesterday's loss did. Yesterday's loss said margin for error, almost extinct. And now, if you lose one more, particularly this one on Saturday, now you need to be praying the rosary week in and week out in order to get the help that's necessary to make the playoffs. I think there are a couple things, Andy, you can point to from yesterday, anomaly, and a couple things you can point to that this has now been a repeated occurrence. I think when you play competent passing offenses, the pass rush tends to to disappear, tends to get a little quiet. Now again, competent passing offenses, that's not going to be Saturday. And I, I don't know when you see it again. Maybe not till the final game of the season with the Texans, who are, again, really banged up right now. The other thing that's starting to become a bit common is, again, the inability to run it without Jonathan Taylor. That combination of Minshew and Moss has not been as effective running it as other combinations, whether that was Richardson and Moss, whether that was Minshew and Taylor. And then how long is Taylor going to be out? Is this going to be a thing where he's out Saturday? Uh, does it linger a little bit deeper into December? Um and then I will say, lastly, I really, really feel like you missed DJ Speed yesterday. I thought your recognition in some of those plays around the line of scrimmage, screens, things like that, I thought you missed his presence. He practiced Friday. I was a little surprised to see him ruled out Saturday. I was too. Uh, he, he practiced Friday in a limited role. Um, so that, I think, is something that I do think could be in the anomaly category if he's able to get back in the lineup coming up. Uh, this Saturday. And what's frustrating as well is you could have put the the Bengals away. And, and now they're just another team as there's six teams in the AFC that sit at seven and six. And KB, I know you have this up at 1075thefan.com, but just looking at it right now, I mean, th- we talk about the easy schedule that the Colts have, or, you know, the quote unquote easy schedule. We all understand anything can happen in a certain week in the NFL. You know, the Broncos, they have the Lions this week, and the Lions right now not playing their best football. And then they have the Patriots. Chargers, who, by the way, Herbert's done for the season. 
Herbert's done for the season. He's going to be out. They haven't officially announced that, but they're a five-win football team. Why would they put their quarterback out there in a regime and a coach that, you know, Brandon Staley is a few weeks away from being fired unless they want to do that in the middle of the season? Why would you ever put Herbert back out there? And then they end with the Raiders. So again, the Broncos have Raiders, Chargers, Patriots, Lions. <laughs> so you got to think they're winning three out of the four games there. I mean, if you're looking at it, you got to be thinking the Broncos are going to end up at probably 10 wins. Uh, you mentioned the Colts and Steelers play on 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 Saturday, and then the Bengals and like to me the Bengals, Vikings at Steelers at Chiefs home Browns. That's so difficult for me. I still, even though Jake Browning has given them hope, I still don't think the Bengals are going to have it. I still think the Bills. It's going to be real difficult with them, especially with Cleveland winning yesterday. So I really zone in on the Steelers and Colts game. I guess what worries me. Uh, 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 stemming from Sunday. And I don't know, you could, you know, I had a buddy say, listen, it was all systems failure, but how many times is it going to be all systems failure? You, you usually lose a game and there are some positives and you can look to a couple negatives and say, well, if we can just clean those few things up, but how often would a team, a good team like the Colts, have back-to-back weeks where it would be all systems failure? And I guess I look at it the opposite way of I'm worried more because it was all systems failure. You know, we've taken for granted them being an above-average special team Team's team. We talked about them blocking punts a couple weeks ago. We've talked about Matt Gay so glowingly this year, what he did not only in Baltimore, but what he's done this season. And the special teams we take for granted, KB, they were terrible. And that pass rush entered what second in the NFL in sacks, 17 the last three games. They got three pressures yesterday, and I took that for granted as well. Uh, I would say my worry meter is probably at like 60-65%, and the reason I say that is I believe the Colts have been able to build wins on some bad teams, and I guess you could say, well, Andy, the Bengals aren't a bad team. They just have a quarterback out, and they have a pretty good coach as well, but uh, I'm scared off a little bit of what they... I'm still willing to give a little benefit of the doubt, but this Steeler game means everything on Saturday. It means absolutely everything. And, you know, if you eliminate one of those three faces, because, again, I thought yesterday was the the biggest clunker of the season. To me, it was the By most far. disappointing It was effort. a dud. Um, all three of those phases you can blame. Again, the offense, no semblance of a run game whatsoever. Uh, loss in the trenches to a team that is very bad in stopping the run and stopping the pass this season. Defensively, uh, you just said it, no pass rush whatsoever. Um, every level of the defense, I thought, had various issues throughout the game. And then special teams-wise, you missed two kicks inside of 40. You've got a huge penalty on a field goal attempt. And then Amir Speed runs into Isaiah McKenzie for the, uh, for the fumbled punt there. If you just say one of those phases plays better, like let's just say the special team stuff doesn't happen. So instead of losing by 20, you lose by 13. Yeah. Like I, I, It's just like all three of those phases, I think, just made it a blowout. Whereas if one of the three phases plays better, you still probably lose by double digits. I'm pretty negative towards special teams because they're on the field so little. Like if a linebacker misses, you know, he's got if Zaire Franklin whiffed on a tackle, I'm like, well, he had 15 tackles. He's on for 95 percent of the snaps. I guess I get it. If uh, Ryman gets beat, if uh, Freeland gets beat, it's like okay, those guys are up against some of the best athletes, defensive linemen, pass rushers, front seven guys in the NFL. I will say the problem with the special teams, KB. Is, is so much of it was 
And I guess, again, you could look at it the other way. So much of it was early on, right? You miss a field goal early on. I don't know. It's just a kind of a bad taste in your mouth. And then, you know, it's early third quarter. It's 28-14. You've got back-to-back stops on defense. And then McKenzie, and they have the entire debacle where, you know, um, uh, speed runs into him, maybe blocked into him and everything else. And there's a fumble. I mean, they they just didn't help themselves, right, at all on special teams. And I just take that for granted. They've been so good on special teams. Yeah, and they've completely taken that for granted. Yeah, obviously you got a great special teams break last week, several breaks, but you know, if Nick Folk makes an extra point, you know, are you sitting here, you know, did you, have, you know, would you have lost that Tennessee game? Um outside of really 2 or 3 minutes, I just thought you got outclassed yesterday. I thought Cincinnati controlled it even when you did have just a miss of an extra point, extending the drive with a with a penalty there on that leverage penalty. I am a little bit curious today and Again, the Colts are going to bump everything up this week. We, we typically get Shane Sykin on Mondays anyways, but uh, there will be no quote-unquote kind of like off day, if you will. Today, I think technically it's the player's off day, but we'll hear from Shane Sykin, the coordinators today, and then Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday will be the normal practice script. Now, as we've seen with the Colts, and typically a lot of teams do this on short weeks, you know, probably just a walkthrough on Tuesday. I was surprised, and again, this is another play that I thought CBS did a poor job of showing uh, replays on yesterday. I was a little surprised Gardner Minshew was not checked out for a concussion there on that scramble. I want to say it was second or third quarter. I know um, uh, Hoosier 97s bringing something in the YouTube chat. You know, with, with how the spotters have worked here, I thought that he got a little wobbly coming up from that play. He was asked about it post game, um, and he made it very clear that. He wasn't wobbly. He goes, I don't think I was wobbly at all. If you watch it, he looked pretty wobbly to me. You know, that's something we saw. You know, T.J. Watt was, of course, checked out on Thursday Night Football. But we've seen this several times this season, not just with the Colts, other teams around the league. The player plays in the game, wakes up on Monday, concussion symptoms are there, and now all of a sudden they are in protocol. So I just think that is something to watch with Minshew oh, that'd be there. A, that would be an absolute today. disaster. I mean, don't you think, okay. Uh, some people probably want to see Ellinger. Uh well, that's fine. They they can they can want to see Sam Ellinger. I am not one of them. In the Tennessee game two weeks ago, he ran out of bounds short of the sticks. Right. They mentioned this in the broadcast, and it's exactly what I thought. This time, he was like a little hesitant. Am I like I think he was like, can I dance and get this first down, or can I put my head down and get this first down? And he was kind of half pregnant, was he not? He didn't really put his head down, but he also didn't slide and it to where they awkward. couldn't touch him. It like, was very awkward. And he got, and he got the first down. I mean, he he got hit on that play. The Colts, for what it's worth, probably the only positive. From yesterday, outside of Michael Pittman, uh, Shane Sykin did say no injuries to report from the game yesterday. So, again, a little bit of a bumped-up schedule for the Colts this week. Uh, let's get to our fan headlines from yesterday. I can't read it. There's no there's no words on it. I'm Ron Burgundy, and this is what's happening in your world tonight. Ripped from the headlines of the newspaper. We'll do it live! Post-game headlines. <laughs> thing sucks! Oh, man, I'm reading some of these right now again. Uh, what's our at, at wake-up call underscore 1075? Mark does this after every game. Five-word headlines. We read some right now. The bungle at the Bengals. <laughs> I love the word bungle. Tyler, Colts get rumbled in jungle. By the way, I can't stand the Cincinnati fight song. The Bengals fight song. I guess the oh, Colts, yeah. are, you know, maybe have, I don't know, Mellon Camp at the start of the fourth quarter there. Uh, how about this one from Chris? Skolts, uh, Skolts. 
Colts ate Skyline Chili. Splash! 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 The poop emoji is what really does it for me. Chris, great work on that. Oh, goodness. Twas fun while it lasted. Rob says, back down to earth, Indiana. Uh, Levi, Levi, Levy, whatever, says, bad sports weekend in Indy. That would, yeah, I'd say between that and the Pacers lost to the Lakers. I was going to say, Purdue, north of the border, the fever number one pick. I guess Butler's surviving, but if you cheer for the Hoosiers, Pacers, Colts. It's a rough weekend. rough. We've had some good weekends. Some people have summed it up like this. In my opinion, that sucked. Yep. Pretty accurate. Noah failed in all three phases. And that, again, (laughs) that is why I've exit yesterday and think it was the biggest, by far the biggest clunker of the season. Aaron says Colts bankrupt in Sin City. C I N N. Sin City. Ah, that's I like creative. That. Now, I've I been like bankrupt that. by that Jack's casino before. Jeremy says never believe the hype indie. Was there hype? I, I mean, I don't, is anyone hyping the Colts? I, I think I we've know. just been I, happy that they've been a good team this season, right? Again, you've taken care of the bottom feeders on your schedule, uh, especially over the, you know the last four weeks leading into Sunday. But I think, uh, you know, I'll speak for myself, and I think us as a show, we kind of painted the picture of now is the uptick in competition. How do you react to it? It's not a gigantic uptick. You're not facing the the Dolphins or the Cowboys or the Ravens or you know the Chief, you know whoever you want to throw into that top group. But now you're facing a little bit more like-minded teams, if you will. How are you going to react to that when it's equal? The playoff stake, and obviously yesterday your first test did not go well at all, and now you got another one on Saturday. Although I I just don't think Pittsburgh's anywhere near as capable or potent to do what Cincinnati did to you. I don't think it's the hype either. I think people are just relieved we're not playing like a season like last season. Yeah. Like where we're just like, get it over with, my God. So I don't, I, I don't feel like... Yeah, I, Jeff Saturday losing like he did last year is different than Shane Steichen yeah. and what he's put on film through 14 weeks. Where like weekly it was a national embarrassment of sorts. There's something that was going to happen where you're like, oh God, this is going to be on first take all day. Yeah, like I don't think the Colts have been... I think they've been a somewhat feel-good story... I think nationally, the Colts have been ignored for the most part. I mean, that's the way I view it. And I feel like locally, what Mark just said, I I feel like fans are happy that they're not an abject disaster, that they're not an embarrassment. Now, I know some may say, well, if you're not going to make the postseason, it's going to be a disaster season if you have it, you know, within grasp. And then in the final month or so, you give it up. That's fine. That's a conversation. But being angry with losses when you're contending for the playoffs and being angry at losses when you're a four-win football team, those are two different things. I, I I just, I, I don't know. That's how I feel. I mean, I think the Colts, I think the Colts, if they made the playoffs, they'd be one of the, the feel-good stories of the entire NFL season. I mean, the Colts making the playoffs and the Buffalo Bills and the Los Angeles Chargers and, and the Cincinnati Bengals not making the playoffs, oh, that'd be unbelievable. Would it not? By the way, T. Higgins, Michael uh, Pittman, I'm just looking at some stats. They're not the same guy. Don't compare them anymore. Don't, I mean, don't compare. I know T. Higgins, they are drafted near each other. T. Higgins wants the, the the bigger contract and everything else. He's not, to me, he's not the player that Michael Pittman Jr. is. I don't know why I thought that. I saw someone tweet at us about that. To me, Now, would I mean, Pittman have similar numbers with Jamar Chase that T. Higgins has? Would T. Higgins have Michael Pittman-like numbers if he was uh, here my, in Indy? My, Michael Pittman would, would, would have... 
I, I mean, his I mean, he's had one 1,000-yard season. He's had a, a couple 900s, and this year he's going to go up over 1,000. I know T. Higgins has had some injury issues, uh, but to but to me, Pittman's a better player. He's be better yesterday. He's a better player. Free agent case study because it's the number two with the loaded number one who, you, you know, his agent would say, just let my guy get number one targets. Right. Whereas Pittman's, you know, is the number one guy, no one else on the wideout core that's even close to him from a consistency standpoint, playing with mediocre quarterbacks. Yeah, I would say go go ahead and look at the quarterbacks that Michael Pittman's had the last couple of years. And again, I, I say this loss stands out more than the others because I if you go back to each of those other losses, obviously the opener, you had a lead midway point of the fourth quarter against Jacksonville. You lose to the Rams. You had that big comeback with with Richardson. Uh, the Saints game. You got off to a good start in that game before it unraveled for you. The Browns game. Obviously, you had chances to win that game. That was you know back and forth nature to it. You know at Jacksonville is probably the only other one, Andy. I could even think of on a similar level to yesterday. But again, to me at Jacksonville, first off, it's at Jacksonville. You never win there. Secondly. Trevor Lawrence, healthy. Christian Kirk, healthy, is different to me than what Cincinnati had yesterday. Um, And I do think there's a disappointment you walk away from that yesterday of, if you want to just kind of boil it down to one thing, it's that when it's December football, the weather's colder, you're outdoors, Chris Ballard has been steadfast in saying, trench play, Mm -hmm. trench play. Yeah, play. they didn't have any of and it. And Cincinnati's not None of it. known for that at all. And yet, any of the four phases you would associate with good play in the trenches. Your run game, stopping the run. Your protection of the quarterback, your ability to get after the opposing quarterback. None of those four, you check the box there. I think if you want to just boil it down to one thing you walk away from yesterday and where is the biggest disappointment, it's that one for me. Because that's where a lot of your investments... Trey... Trey uh, Hendrickson for the Bengals. I know he had a big roughing the passer penalty that injected some life into the Colts. That dude, who is a good player, mm-hmm. he dominated Bernard Ryman. He dominated. did. I, I, I was surprised. And I don't say that very often about Ryman at all. Are you, I mean, in, the Colts are middle of the pack in rushing. I'm just looking at yards per game. I, I don't know. T- to me, here's going to be the struggle, and the season's not over. When you have four games left and they're going to mean everything, that's how ultimately we're going to really remember this season. If they go out and they kind of crap the bed here the next four games, the final month of the season, it's going to take away a lot of the feel-good that we had beating the Ravens at the beginning of the year, going through all the adversity, middle of the year, winning some games, beating some bad teams, holding court and everything else. But we have done this thing this year, KB, to where we've been... We, because we thought this was going to be much more of a rebuild, haven't we kind of went through this season and you've always said, hey, I want to check off boxes of things that I know that I have. And that's one reason why Anthony Richardson having very little playing time and the injury issues is a huge deal. It's the reason now that Juju Brent again didn't play on Sunday. He even practiced a little bit, didn't play on Sunday. Him now missing, what, seven weeks is such a huge deal. It's a first round pick and a second round pick. And then we've talked, you know, I still like the defensive line. I still think they need somebody else, kind of an alpha who's a who's a pass rusher there. But for the most part, you've got production and guys have raised the level of their game. I thought we had that with the offensive line. I'm not sure after the last couple games 
how 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 you feel more from a run game. Yeah, standpoint. yeah. How you feel yeah. about the offensive line? I, I've kind of written it. We you know when they were winning those games, I was saying, hey, you know, offensive line, they've checked some boxes at left tackle, and we've kind of had that conversation. But the last few weeks has kind of shown me that the Colts' offensive line needs a lot of work. If you look at a lot of these mock drafts, if they're in the teens, which they will be drafting, just about all of them have going back to the offensive line with Chris Ballard in round number one. Yeah, I, I, I'm not there. Honestly, I would put a lot of it on the defense doesn't respect the opposing quarterback. And I just think teams look at it and say, guys, if we suffocate the run game right. and we put more on Minshew's plate, sure, a, a, a deep ball here there to Alex let, Pierce. Let Pittman have his. But you know what? We just feel like over the course of four quarters that they aren't going to drive 12 plays and 80 yards on us with you know targeting Michael Pittman on every snap. So... I, I tend to think that's where it is, but you know, still, I think there should probably be an expectation level of your trench play being better than that. Um, all right, uh, let's lead off a morning check down with the Pacers back in action tonight. The morning check down. Omaha! 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 On 93.5 and 107.5 The Fan. All right, it is a trip to Detroit. Nothing says runner-up in the in-season tournament in Vegas saying, <laughs> all right, uh, fly to Detroit and play on Monday night. Uh, the Pistons stink. They've lost 19 in a row. That is 19 in a row. Uh, these teams did meet a few weeks back. For what it's worth, Detroit, pretty competitive in that one before the Pacers pulled away big time. Late. It is a seven-point favorite. Aaron Neesmith is questionable with a hip injury. Again, we know Andrew Nemhard going to be out at least a week with that bone bruise in his knee. Did you like, is the NCAA tournament analogy, analogy decent from me? I look at the Pacers run in the in-season tournament, I kind of label it as like a five seed yeah. in the NCAA tournament making the title game. Yeah, I can see that. By the way, I'm on Ticketmaster. You can get lower-level seats for under $15. To the, to the Pistons Pacers tonight. Hey, oh, I bet you can go lower than that if you go on the secondary market. <laughs> well, I'm looking at, t- yeah, I mean, you're probably right, but you I, get that and a little Caesar's pizza and you're guys, set I'm looking, for tonight. I'm looking like row 16 is $14 uh, to gra- an NBA game. Grab a Bud Light from Kid Rock's bar. <laughs> Be rolling in dough right now. Rolling, rolling, rolling. There you go, rolling. Uh, Anything else stand out to you in season tournament wise for the Pacers? Oh, goodness. Saturday night, just, I, yeah. I, I was disappointed in those three vets in the starting lineup. Bruce yeah. Brown, Buddy Heald, Miles Turner. They combined to go 8 for 30 and 3 of 16 from behind the arc. Got to help out Halliburton. I actually thought your bench played pretty good on Saturday night. Yeah, I, th- I just think for me, overall... I guess I'm not being hard on them on the loss on Saturday. And and again, I I did not feel like, you know, too many times, KB, we talked about this off air, that they were actually going to win the game. I don't know. I guess for me, they wanted to get everything out of this in-season tournament that they could. They wanted to play games that were going to show them what the postseason would be like. And when you look at the Boston game twice, right, and you look at the Celtics game and you look at the Lakers, I mean, they saw a championship medal come out with the Lakers. They saw LeBron James and they saw, you know, obviously Anthony Davis play great basketball and they saw a team be dialed in. And so I think I think, you know, 
I think it was mission accomplished for the most part in getting the kind of experience that they wanted that Rick Carlisle, who will be on with us tomorrow at 8 o'clock, talks so very much about that a young team haven't been in the postseason. How do you get experience? Something like this could be valuable, and I think it was valuable for this Pacer team. And then, you know, I know you don't care about it as much, I don't think, and I hate to put words in your mouth, but, you know, this team, they talked a lot about, hey, we want to be nationally known. We want to win. We want to be on national television. And I think for the most part, it was a mini coming out party for a young basketball team that people now know something about. And for a guy like Tyrese Halliburton, when you combine early on this season with the Team USA stuff, and he's going to be one of the faces. He's going to be the face of the All-Star game coming up. In a few, I mean, he is. That's what he's going to be. I don't know. You just combine all of that, I feel like he and the Pacers got a level of recognition and respect. Before this, I don't think they had much at all, to be quite honest, and I think they got a nice amount. It's a bummer they didn't win, but for some reason, I'm viewing it very much, probably like 90% as mission accomplished. The team wanted to kind of get experience and be known, and they did so. Yeah, and again, that's fine and well, you know, wanting and, and, and to be on that stage. To me, I just quickly you know change it to, okay, how do you look on that stage? Are you are you ready for it? And I thought, you know, all in all, they were ready for it. Certainly some tweaks that need to be made roster wise as they move forward. And again, how do you bottle up the experience you had with the intensity level rising? Because a seven game series is gonna be different. A seven game series is gonna have a much different vibe than just one and done nature, particularly in Vegas. By the way, if you are in Detroit and going to the game and you're listening to us, $9 on the secondary oh, market for oh, gosh, Section 220. You to come to the game. Section 220. <laughs> lower level, 100 level tickets, yeah. $16. I told you, man. It's Only the ones that are like mid-court are like $120. That's still for an NBA game. Not very much to sit that close. All right, let's go to the Bengals. We've been talking about it all morning. 34-14 losers there on the road in Cincinnati. Colts dropped to 7-6 and six on the season. Still good on the road. 5-2 and two on the road. They still are and will enter next week the 7th seed if the playoffs were to start today. Post-game head coach Shane Steichen on all the issues. Yeah, I just think the complimentary football, we've been talking about playing complimentary football, um, you know, last couple weeks and trying to put out you know a great effort today and a lot of self-inflicted stuff happened out there today you know we get a drive going penalty moves us back we get another drive going penalty moves us back you know we get a holding call um a lot of that stuff shoot the the, the punt you know you know amir runs into i mean uh <laughs> i say in that situation like geez louise you know stuff like that um it was it was a wild game uh, a lot of self-inflicted stuff that we got to get cleaned up uh, going forward and again, if you look at Saturday upcoming, we'll continue to dive deeper into the playoff chances for the Colts. Uh, it cannot be stressed enough just how important Saturday is with another 7-6 and six team and the Pittsburgh Steelers coming to town. Uh, elsewhere, Week 14 in the NFL. Did you guys see the front page of the Buffalo News? Oh, I did not. What did it say? Just oh, give it to me. Tremendous from the Buffalo News. Uh, again, the Bills beat the Chiefs. Patrick Mahomes, I believe, is still crying about his own player being offsides. <laughs> If I had that right, the front page headline, shake it off. Ooh, I like it. I Very it. good. Don't I say newspapers it. are dying. That's fantastic. How about that? There's the still some creativity Amen. in newspapers. Uh, the Bills go into Arrowhead. They win another game there. Uh, and now if you look at this AFC playoff picture right now, Andy Sweeney, give me the three wildcard teams. 
Oh, goodness. I will go. Let's see here. Oh, man. I'm going to go Broncos, Colts, Bills. Not the Browns? Oh, no, the Browns. I'm sorry. Browns, Colts, Broncos. Throwing the Steelers in there. I just gosh, really, Mark? I think, right? Oh, I, I thought you were saying the current picture. You're no, 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 no. Me projecting all the Steelers yeah, yeah. out of there. Sorry. I, I guess the only reason I would I was it's right now it is Brown Steelers Colts in that order. I was pro Steelers making it like I thought they were going to make it, even though they won games ugly in their quarterback situation and Matt Canada at offensive coordinator. But they lost back to back weeks at home to two two win teams. And if the Colts can't be fired up to win this game on Saturday. I mean, they could, again, this would be back to back weeks. They could kind of put a team out of their misery. And then we did, you know, the Broncos again at Lions. Their schedule's tame. But they have Patriots, Chargers without Herbert, and the Raiders, who scored zero points in a football game yesterday. To me, Broncos get to 10 and 7, and that should be good enough to get them in. That's how I view it. Mike Tomlin going to meet the media here coming up at noon. The updates on TJ Watt, especially, and Alonzo Highsmith, both those guys in concussion protocol, would be absolutely. Huge I'll here say, on a short week. I'll say Broncos, Bills, and Browns. I don't know why I'm going with Buffalo. I've been down on them the whole time, but they probably have the hardest schedule. Uh, they do. Yeah, they of do. These teams here down the stretch. Just quickly, Big Ten basketball, some local basketball, I should say. Purdue winners over the weekend, 92, 86, 35 points, seven rebounds for Zach Eady going back to Canada and balling out. No surprise there. Indiana, they played what do we say, six, seven good minutes of basketball and 33 minutes of crappy basketball. Auburn all over. For the Hoosiers, 104-76. Indiana's now lost by, what, 28 to Auburn and 20 to UConn. So when they have faced good teams, it has not been good. And Butler, they're a good team. Now 8-2, 6-0 at home, 97-90 overtime thriller there against Cal. Uh, you know what's crazy about that? I mean, 24 points in the overtime. <laughs> That's a lot of points. Uh, Posh Alexander, 21 points, 6 assists in the win. Braden Smith, by the way, just outstanding for Purdue in that win over Alabama. They withstood a flurry of Crimson Tide threes there in the first half. And with Indiana, um, yes, you point out UConn and Auburn this year. I mean, go back to Miami NCAA tournament last year. You go back to Arizona in Las Vegas last year. And you look at the Mike Woodson arrow, and they've played, I think, you know, quality non-conference opponents away from home. You've gotten run off the floor in many of those, several of those games. Uh, That is certainly something uh, I think to continue to keep an eye on. And we'll see if they can get one on Saturday. That is a must to have something on your non-conference resume for the Hoosiers before they get back into Big Ten play. Uh, And lastly, it was a great day in Indianapolis yesterday for one professional sports team. That would be the Indiana Fever. They win the lottery, so for a second straight year, they will pick number one overall. Mark Dykton was getting deep into the information (laughs) on this. He he really has been. We were curious. You know, Caitlin Clark still has one more year at Iowa if she would like to have that. Um, Again, that would be coming up potentially a COVID year next year. Um, I was looking at her NIL uh, at Iowa, it's rumored to be in the very north six figures, probably more than the million dollar oh, range. It's got to I mean, be State seven Farm, figures. Nike, right? I mean, so they are thinking Caitlin Clark from an NIL standpoint is around a million. Mark Dykton, Aaliyah Boston for being the number one pick last year. She's making what for the fever? I think it's like three years, two hundred and thirty thousand dollars or something like that. It's something crazy. But it also says in the same article that Diana Taurasi, Jewel Lloyd. Uh, are at the top, the highest paid players, and they each make two hundred thirty-four thousand nine hundred thirty-six dollars. 
That is wild to me. It says the highest player in the NBA, and this article is written uh, back in back in April. Highest paid player in the NBA is Steph Curry, forty eight point zero seven million, roughly two hundred and four times what the three best women's players in the NBA WNBA make. If she if she if she comes out and goes to the Fever, how much more money can she make professionally? than just simply at Iowa through NIL. And the reason I ask that is... Is it collectively bargain the number one pick makes this? In sports and in women's sports, because I just don't want to make it a women's sports thing, in sports as a whole, but drilling down a little bit, in women's sports, she goes and she's number one and she lights up the WNBA. There is more value there professionally than at Iowa, right? You would have to think so. I would think so, but like... I don't know. Are there that many more eyeballs on it? Now, she did join Nike, uh, and she did so with a notable, you know, the, the men you'll understand. DJ Wagner, who is at Kentucky, Dwan Wagner's son, and Bronny James, who, by the way, Bronny James played yesterday. He had four points, came in about midway through the first half. He's like 50 days away from having from being going under cardiac arrest. And, That's uh, unbelievable. Yes, it is. A I, month and a half. You know, one more thing on the Caitlin Clark front. We we can't have any ruffling of the relationships, by the way. Uh, the rumor is she is dating a member of the Pacers organization. That would be one Connor McCaffrey, the son of Fran McCaffrey. So we need a healthy relationship, right, for the next <laughs> 10 months or so? We need, we need to send him a note or something? Yeah, what do we need to do here? I'm you looking behave, at Connor. You make sure that this stays together through whatever. <laughs> well, why has it got to always be on it's him? My, well, I, I maybe, don't know. Maybe she's, she would be well, the issue in the relationship. The yeah, good point. Man, he was in college for six years playing basketball. Did you know that? He started in 2017, and last year was his final year. Well, his brother's still there, right? I believe so. I think his brother. There's still. always a McCaffrey there somewhere. All these COVID years, there's a guy who's like 29 years old. I'm going for my ninth I, year. I'm, I'm, so I'm, 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 get I'm, out of college now. Like, yeah, I'm. I, I'm totally with Mark. I'm happy that that's finally filtering out of the system. Enough. I would agree. I would Enough. Agree. It's very, very confusing on that end. All right, we'll continue a little cold, slow pacers as well. Uh, thank you for tuning in to the Wake Up Call. KB and Andy on 93.5107.5 The Fan. Reminder, miss any of our show, you can check it out. Podcast Center 1075thefan.com. Rewatch the YouTube feed as well. That's uh, some great numbers there. We appreciate people watching and listening to us. Coming up at noon, Query and Company. I'm sure uh, Jimmy Cook will be wearing his Kadarius Tony jersey, his number 19 Chiefs jersey. So I'm sure he'll have that in the uh, DriveHuber.com studios last night. And uh, so a lot of fun there. JMV coming your way at 3. O'clock. I'm going to play a piece of sound for you, okay? Okay. Uh, and I just want you to listen to this. So this was taken off a of TV. I, I tried to find a, a little bit better of a cut. I could not find it. This is Pat McAfee. Uh, Robert Kraft, the owner of the New England Patriots, is sitting there in college game day, and they're talking about the Patriots losing, and McAfee is basically just like, we know you're going to have to fire Bill Belichick. Now, you can't get this in the sound, but if you go to Twitter, ESPN.com, or anything else, and you actually see it, all the people, like, uh, what is it, Reese Davis, who's on that show, Reese Davis, and Desmond, and Kirk Herbstreet, they're all just kind of sitting there like, oh, okay, that, 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 this is a very awkward silence. So you're going to hear Robert Kraft talk about being a winner. Listen to what Pat McAfee says. He's basically saying, hey, you're going to fire Bill Belichick in a couple weeks. You've kicked a lot of ass for the NFL, Robert Kraft. We like to win, so uh, we want to do everything we can to get our 
team back so we can be winning it. I don't envy your position. What's about to happen? We are about to. We don't have to ask. <laughs> Six times. Won the Super Bowl. Been there on other occasions. The scrap. But thank you so much. We don't envy. Uh, don't envy your position. We know what's going to have to happen. <laughs> I did love. He said it right to his face on national TV. It's great. I did love Belichick putting on the helmet. Oh, he's great. And going with Navy on the college game day pick. And again, for those that missed it, Army-Navy lives up to it per usual. You have a goal line stand to decide the game, and then Army goes with the run out of the back of the end zone safety with no time on the clock so the over can hit. The 27.5 point (laughs) over-under hits on Army doing that. I think Belichick would be great on one of these pregame shows or postgame shows, don't you? Is that a good job, New England? Yeah, it is, right? I mean, weren't they horrific without Belichick? I mean, hasn't their history as a franchise been awful? Yeah, but I guess here's the thing. Belichick's not leaving at the top of his game, right? If Bill Belichick left and he was was winning 11, 12 games, you would truly then be the guy following the guy. Don't you feel that way? They always say that in sports. You don't want to be the guy following the guy. Now that they've had a couple bad years and like this year is an absolute disaster, don't you feel a little bit like you're not the guy after the guy as much than if Belichick were winning a ton the last couple years. Does that make sense? I don't know. That might not be the case. I think that's more the case with Brady leaving because Brady was, you know, the face of the franchise and stuff. Now you've had Mac Jones and Bailey Zapp. You're like, okay, whatever quarterback walks in now will be the guy to replace the guy that replaced the guy. I I, I think Bill Belichick's still got that swagger, but I think the, the quarterback situation is terrific. And I don't know if the Patriots thing is a good job. Have you looked at that roster? Who would you oh, keep in the roster. next year That's or two? No, it's a bad yeah. roster. No, it needs, it needs everything. They're top five pick, so theoretically you would be taking a quarterback. And has Matt Eberflus kept his job? Uh, no, God. You don't know about that. ESPN was talking about that this morning. Should he be the guy that welcomes in the next quarterback for the Chicago Bears? Has, has, a, has a head coach ever become just like a coordinator of the same team? They just said, you know, you're not going to be the head coach anymore. You're going to be the defensive coordinator. Who did demote you to coordinator? I honestly thought that a few years ago about Frank Reich. I thought when, uh, remember when the Dolphins very surprisingly fired Brian Flores? I thought bring Flores in here to be the head coach and let Frank Reich be the offensive coordinator. Yeah, that would never happen. Uh, it's, it's a great <laughs> thing. It it's wouldn't. a great thing to imagine. Let me ask you this: Is Belichick is he is he a better coach or is the Patriot job better? Does that make sense? Which one of those has more value? Like, would you rather have Belichick or would you rather have the Patriots gig? Which one of those looks shiniest? To Kevin Bowen. I don't know if I follow that. Like, okay, like, is Belichick as wanted, or are the Patriots going to be as wanted by an elite head coach? Does that make sense? Who is going to be more wanted here in about five weeks? In oh, about you're, four weeks? You're saying is another team going to be interested in yeah. hiring Bill Belichick yeah, versus... I, a, I think you'll have an, an owner out there very interested in Belichick. I mean, you're going to have several, several. I mean, you're going to have Raiders, perhaps the Titans... Patriots, maybe the Jets, I mean, definitely you, the Chargers. If you get Bill Belichick, Justin Herbert? Possibly. He also thought Mac Jones was good. I've seen yeah, him I, with I, even I marginal I mean, quality. Maybe you know. Belichick's, I don't know, maybe it's past him a little bit. Who knows? See, but. I've always thought Belichick's the best ever. I, I, I've always sure, understood but it. I, I but, think you can but, say that and also say. Well, yeah, but I I, I think he may be washed. Like, there comes I, a point in time where it is time 
to move on. Belichick's going to want GM duties, too, probably, wherever he goes. No, you can't give him that. No. We'll do it one final time here. Wake up call, KB and Andy. Fun stuff today. Going to wrap up today's show. A couple minutes here talking about Pacers back in action tonight in Detroit. I don't know if you saw this this morning, KB. Uh, You know Kevin Pelton, ESPN senior writer, NBA guy. Uh, he put out, what's that? Say that again. Like a big uh, your mic's not on. Hang on. Hang on. Here we go. Oh, shoot. Oh, there uh, we go. <laughs> uh, he's a big stats dude. This is radio, <laughs> Kevin. Uh, he is a radio. Yes. Uh, he is a big stats guy. He put out his uh, all-star starters and just the all-star game stuff. He has it up right now at ESPN.com. His Eastern Conference all-star starters. He's got Halliburton in the backcourt along with Tyrese Maxey, Joel Embiid, Giannis, and Scotty Barnes. Eastern Conference reserves, Lillard, Donnie Mitchell, Tatum, Bam, Jimmy Butler, and Trey Young. He has uh, Jalen Brunson as his wild card. Any thoughts on that? But Tyrese Halliburton, a starter, which he should be. no Celtic as a starter? Uh, No Celtic as a starter, no Jalen Brown, just Jason Tatum, Hmm. who'd be coming off the bench. Yeah, I mean, Halliburton, Maxey, Embiid. uh, Scotty Barnes had a great year. I don't want to undermine that. You know, there's some sort of team success that I feel like should play into that just a bit. But, yeah, it's wild to think we're two months away from that. Game happening right here. No, I can't wait. Western Conference All-Stars, Shea Gilgis, Alexander, Steph Curry, Jokic, LeBron James, and Anthony Davis. No surprises Again, the there. Pistons absolutely stink. Pacers favored by seven in this one. I am very curious to see how Indiana responds really all week long. Uh, the, you know, they're on the road, Andy. It's going to be like over 12 days mm-hmm. straight that they're on the road. They go from Vegas, get at Detroit tonight, at Milwaukee Wednesday. You know that one will be circled by the Bucks. And then a back-to-back coming up, the Wizards and the Timberwolves this weekend. The Timberwolves lead the Western Conference. Um, So you really face two kind of bottom feeders and then two teams at the top of their respective conferences. And again, Jay Nivey really had a um, very quiet year. I know he had a big game against Indiana a few weeks back. He's the seventh man right now. Wow, is he really? On the 2 and twenty. Pistons. Well, I mean, the Pistons have won two games, and Washington's won three. Like, to me, I understand beating Milwaukee. Milwaukee's stuffed in the middle between tonight against Detroit uh, and Friday night and Washington. To me, this team thus far has beat some good teams, and we have seen the in-season tournament, and all that's great, but... One of the other storylines before they went to Vegas and you know beat the beat the Celtics and then went to Vegas and everything else. One of the main storylines was they didn't take care of business, right, right? right? And we talked about that, especially a couple of those games being at home. So to me, that's fine. You're on the road, but at Detroit in Washington, like even more so than Milwaukee, I'm looking at tonight against Detroit and Friday against Washington and saying you win those games. Like learn from learn from what you didn't do the first. Couple weeks of the season, yeah, right? Play, Don't you feel uh, that way? Yeah, I, I think I, I don't know. Maybe they, it's they too... beat Milwaukee twice. To think they're going to win three in a row against the Bucks probably is a little short sighted. Right, at at Milwaukee, uh, maybe it's too low of a bar, but I think if you can go two and two this week, um, regroup. I mean, again, you got Mo. You, you I think can, that's fair. You got Minnesota the second night of a back to back, and they're the number one team in the Western Conference. So uh, that I, I, I think is where you're at from a bar standpoint, and then you do get back home for a few more games here in the back half of the month. So again, that tip is 7 o'clock tonight. Uh, the podcast, obviously, up and loaded with a ton and tons of Colts reaction. Hopefully, Rick Carlisle tomorrow at 8 o'clock. Everybody have a great Monday. Thank you for listening to The Wake Up Call with KB and